All right, so we were just kind of spitballing here before we were doing the show, and uh, me and old Steve Reno here just have a bold idea that I think that we're going to incorporate into our, our new line of religion, Dead and Churchly. Is there? I think it's going to be called. Dead and Churchly. But, you know, I think that if you're, you know, a member maybe of a congregation, you're trying to bring more people in, we have a little twist on things we're trying to put out there. Instead of going the typical snake handling route. Right. We're thinking of something a little bit kinder and gentler yeah. to get people in and listen to, to the message. Puppy handling. Puppy handling. <laughs> and I mean, thus imagine. saith the Lord, handle a puppy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like if I could walk into a church somewhere and they're like, thanks for being here. Here is your koala. Aww. I'll stay the whole time. Aww, just koala, so I can, they just grab right onto you. I can just handle them. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, the Catholics are ahead of us with their baby handling. Oh, yeah. They got that yeah. the baby handling yeah, skills. Yeah, a little boy handling too. <laughs> Man, that's... They're all they're both they're handling all kinds of, of stuff. Handling all sorts of things. <laughs> Welcome, dead hey. and lovely listeners, to the greatest horror movie review podcast in the known multiverse and beyond. Yon, 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 yon. I'm stuck. Yon, 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 yon. Why it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most. It is I, your good buddy, Uncle Ban. And me, Hollywood Stav. And we're here this week to be talking about Wes Craven's Immortal 1991 Classic The People Under mm-hmm. the Stairs. And do a whole bunch of bullshitting and beer drinking. Yeah, I'm That's all right. about that. How you been this week, Steve? Man, it's been a week. I'll it's tell just you that. been a lot of smooth sailing for you. No. Everything's gone according <laughs> no. to plan. It's gone contrary to my desires. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just one of those things. I mean, we had our, our my my wife had a car wreck, and then we had to get a new car. Yeah. Couldn't really afford that. But then we were still, we figured something out and we were going to be able to take our first vacation in 10 years. Lord have mercy. And then my phone died. (laughs) And we had one payment left to pay that motherfucker off. Which is a good place to be in when your phone dies. I suppose so. At the very least, I didn't have to like pay some outrageous price. I just, you know, paid the 33 bucks and then entered into a new contract with the devil to have a new phone. Right. I didn't want to do that. We both were, like, our plan was we were saving up money so we could go on this vacation. So we were going to hold off upgrading our phones for as long as we could. Um, my wife's phone's still kicking. I don't remember Apple phones and stuff having these problems when Reagan was president. I'm just That's saying. True. That's I'm true. just saying. You, do you remember when they, uh, you just, you picked up the, the Apple, like, monitor and put it up to your head. <laughs> And you held the mouse. The keyboard to your, mouth. to your face. Keyboard to the face, yeah. <laughs> that Hello? sucks, man. That sucks. Somebody needs to pitch another shovel of coal into the reality machine, get this thing working Hell better yeah, again. Because mine's fucking shitting a dick. Um, oh, bummer, man. It's, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just all financial, honestly. But you know what? Now you've got the new phone and it's a completely different experience than the last iPhone, <laughs> no. right? <laughs> nope. What? <laughs> Except that it doesn't have a home button. That's the completely different experience. Nice, right? Um, I do actually. I like when not much changes about the phone. Yeah, seriously, I don't want to relearn shit. Understand the huge price tag for that, though. Fuck no. Like nothing is really changed. Actually, there's fewer options. Like that's what they keep doing every time they like update it. It's like, well, let's just. uh, uh, They don't need to be able to home share now. Yeah, like they yeah. took off home sharing for a while. I don't know if you remember this. Fuck your headphone jack. Yeah, fuck your headphone. Like it's I'm all still just mad about that yeah. shit, dude. I'm still mad about yeah. the headphone jack. Bring it the fuck back. Well, I mean, uh, I, once I did get Bluetooth headphones, I was like, yeah, this is better. 
because I'm not constantly ripping my headphone out of my phone, which I would do all the time. Oh, yeah, it's great. Because I'm a big, dumb animal, and uh, any tiny little thread hanging here, I, I'm going to rip at it's it. It's easy to fuck yeah. up. It's easy to fuck up. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's not much of a difference. It's fine. I was... This is where I was going anyway. Well, you look a lot cooler. I do, because I, I have a black uh, case instead of a gray case now. Yeah, it's way cooler. Way man. cooler. Way yeah. cooler. Well, but damn. other than that... Uh, my wife's great. I'm great. We're doing pretty good. Just financially, everything sucks. And we'll continue to suck probably for a couple years. It gets better. It does. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, thankfully, they're only money problems. Money comes and goes. But as long as we have our health and our, and our loved ones. I wish it would start comes in more than yeah. goes in. <laughs> Did you guys have a romantic Valentine's Day? No, Emily worked. I had a romantic Valentine's Day Ooh. with dead and lovely listeners. Oh, you don't say mm-hmm. so. Doing that, John uh, Latour, that we weekly up. streaming chat. Uh, Dave Bichet kissed him on the face. Uh, Dave Barnett. Uh, I licked his butthole. They yeah. all need love. They all need love, man. We <laughs> all got to get it somewhere. I female listeners because that would have been weird. That would have been strange. It would be weird for me to say I like a female listener's butthole but not normal for a not dave. Dave Barnett. yeah too. totally fine yeah. totally fine what'd you guys watch <laughs> we watched uh of course my bloody valentine oh perfect right? the og or the new one og okay the actually i've one, never seen the original the new one uh would have been more in line with our old friday night movies because it's it's not that great yeah the I original's thinking not it was that great okay. either but yeah. it's it's uh i'd say it's consistent like it's one of those where you're never really too bored and it doesn't get too involved in like exposition and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and also, all the girls are cute. All yeah. right. Yeah. Call that a winner. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and then we watched Tremors 2, which I've I mean, never seen. Stu- I've oh, never yeah. seen Tremors 2. Right. You haven't. Yeah. Um, I would say it's on par with the first one, just okay. maybe, you know, less recognizable faces, though it's still got uh, Bert. From the first, who was the dad from Family Ties, the, right. the gun nut, yeah, yeah, and the the older guy who was the main guy. But Kevin Bacon's gone, Reba's gone, Aww. like everybody else we met in Perfection is gone. But the new cast of characters is fun too. So. Right on. I'm sure we'll get around to watching it sometime. I think a oh, couple yeah, we people got, yeah, submitted got, that for Patreon, right? Like three people submitted it for Patreon. People want us to watch it. There's some good stuff in that Patreon mix bowl right Hell now. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we just yeah, did we our, just, our just drawing, did drawing. Yeah. Uh, for our Patreon pick for this month. And you guys, y'all got some good taste. Hell yeah. I'll we, tell y'all like, what. Seriously, we will end up getting to all the movies in that bowl. Like they're all movies we, we eventually do. plan to do anyway. So. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Yeah, you guys got good taste, and I want something that tastes good. Me too. Because if one thing has gone well this week, it is the bevy of brewskis that yeah. has arrived on our doorstep here I'm by our dead and these. lovely listeners. We got a couple of amazing packages that we're going to outline in the next couple weeks. But this one right here comes from a mighty six-pack of assorted brews that were sent in to us Ooh. by our main man, Patrick, Ooh. from Discretion Brewing. They're out in, are they, they're out in like California, right? Santa Cruz, California, man. Yeah. Um, And we chose this one right here. This is the High Citra Single Hop Hazy IPA. And that Citra hits immediately when you open it. You can smell it. Mm -hmm. That's great. This is a seven percenter. And we're each having a point of this. This is the only beer we're having today. We're taking it kind yeah, of easy. It's early in the day, actually. Yeah, well, it's like 3, yeah, 30 or something like that. Record. And then basically, as soon as I'm done, I have to start teaching. And, and I have uh, to go work out, so <laughs> I don't want to get sloshed. Dude, we should just teach and work out and just fucking hammer. Hammer, yeah. <laughs> They'd kick me out of the YMCA. You know, it says it's hazy, but it's actually yeah, kind of clear. Pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, there's some haze, but it's it's almost golden yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells absolutely fantastic. I look forward to getting into this thing. 
See what it does for me. Oh, we've got some spillage, Steve. We got some spillage. We've got to clean Damn, it. Damn, part on top of it. Oh, you got it. With a Kleenex. Look at that. Way All to right. go. So let's try. Oh man, that smells so fucking great. Yeah, I'm does. excited about that. See what that thing does for you. Report with your findings while I get in here. Ooh, that's refreshing. Yeah. It's it's like almost creamy, like velvety. Oh my at the god, end. I like, love that. Mm. It's got grapefruit, like strong grapefruit, like. Dude, the biggest thing I'm getting out of is a cantaloupe sort of flavor. Yeah, there's some cantaloupe it's in got there. It's got a that definite sweet, like, melon, honeydew, cantaloupe But it's not oversweet, despite no, the fact, because those things can be oversweet. This is, it's real mellow. I think yeah, that, I, that, the that honeydew, like, yeah, cantaloupe just dude. sort of rests on your tongue. Man, it's so rare to find a good honeydew. It is. A lot of times it's Fuck just like... a honeydew most of the time. It's like eating green matter. Yeah. Yeah. But whenever you get a good one. And you bite it and it's like, oh, oh. like it's like sugar, like cotton candy. Yeah, yeah, dude. And it reminds you, this is why I chase that honeydew uh -huh. dragon all the time <laughs> at the Shoney's buffet. <laughs> there with Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, Shoney's where food goes to die. Oof. Dude, this beer is awesome. Yeah. Wow. I, this is a very refreshing, too, yeah, which is, is exactly man. what I was wanting right now. Me too, man. Yeah, he sent us a couple of other ones that I'm really excited to get into. There's yeah. a, some kind of a raspberry sour or something in we there. We also got some from the Pacific Northwest. That we? we did. Yeah, we're not getting into those this week, but uh, we will get to them next oh, week. Yeah. We'll talk about where they came from. And they sent us some extra goodies along they that did. are just fucking We'll get a picture incredible. up on, uh, on the uh, Instagram, Instagram and stuff. stuff yeah. For sure, man. Right on. You watch anything else good this week, Steve? Oh, dude. I had a fucking dope week as far as yeah. entertainment goes. Like, despite despite bad things happening financially, etc. You needed the escape. I I sat down and watched Knives Out. Okay. I've heard that Knives Out is fucking, fucking great. Awesome. And it's loved like it. young, so fun. Young and old. Yes. Everybody I know that's seen it loved yeah. it. It's like my in-laws watched it it's and they so said it's fucking entertaining great. entertaining and interesting and fun because it takes a twist on a murder mystery that you really don't expect. So it's kind of uh, clue-like, right? Uh, in that it's a mystery? Yeah, in that it's a mystery and that it's like funny and a little wacky and stuff. Okay. But Got um, a huge cast, right? Huge cast. Tons of people. Jamie Lee Curtis is in there. Uh, Jaime Lee Curtis. That's her. Uh, you got that Daniel Craig playing the the detective and doing his southern accent, which mm. he showed off in Logan Lucky. That motherfucker can do a great dude southern accent. Him as a southern dude is incredible. Yeah, Logan Lucky so impressed me because the accents and everything were spot the fuck yeah. Adam on. Driver did a great job. Yes, with he his, did. Yeah. Um, I I think Daniel like Daniel Craig's doing like a like a low country South Carolina awesome. or like a like a more like uh affluent oh, okay. southern georgia just yeah. that sort of like a little bit of sugar to it nice. like i love how he does it because it's like he's british and he's fucking nailing a real specific southern accent i mean i'm not surprised considering that we're southern and we nail british accents too so <laughs> i guess it works in reverse as well yeah, that's, right? Uh, that's right <laughs> so that's a recommended watch huh absolutely recommended watch and this is coincidental I then watched Ready or Not a couple of nights later, and Knives Out, Ready or Not, and this movie all have some very similar themes. Really? So, um, I've heard Ready or Ready Not is great. awesome. Yeah, Samara Weaving is so fucking good in it. It's, it's, it's fun, it's horror, it's a thriller, it's got everything you're looking for. Um, just like a, a quickly paced movie really funny a lot of great actors in it 
I enjoyed every bit of it. Nice. Uh, the, I had a, I have a quibble with the end, which we'll talk about when we cover it. Which yeah, I'm sure. I definitely want to cover far. it. Yeah, yeah, Kate watched that on on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> and she, she was leaving Fantasy Island. <laughs> she was leaving the yeah. Fantasy Island, of course. <laughs> and she said that it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And again, I've heard from like a lot of other like hardcore horror fans that it was great. I was kind of yeah. thinking like it would be sort of half-assed because it's such no. a huge production, big budget Hollywood mm. movie and stuff. No, but, but they fucking everybody said it's yeah. killer, man. They went real good on it, and like I just like I had heard so much good stuff on I saw stuff on Twitter and Instagram a lot from other um, you know horror accounts and stuff where everybody was just loving it. So I had to watch it, and yeah, man fucking worth it so nice. go watch that right on man god this beer is it's great, great. yeah like i'm already <laughs> kind of at the refreshing. point where i'm like i wish i had access to this all the time yeah this would be one you easily go to this would be a yeah. keeper for sure yeah man we had ourselves a, a a nice easy going valentine's day i mean as we talked about like kate and i both just think valentine's day is stupid yeah, it's just I mean, a fake holiday yeah. emily and i have never done anything for valentine's no. day i don't think yeah it's just dumb to have that obligation to be like and today you tell mm. The most important person in the world to you that you care. Yeah, Emily and I were talking about this, and I I think like what we have to realize as childless people is that for people with children, a lot of times you need an excuse to go out. That's true. It's mom and dad's date night. Like there's yeah. So you're just saying absolutely no matter what, February fourteenth, we're going out. I don't know why you would do that instead of saying, Why don't we go out February thirteenth or fifteenth? Because we make it up and that's our day. Yeah. Like just (laughs) let it be your day. Yeah. It's at least, because, like, can you imagine if you had gone out on... It was a, not only Valentine's Day, but a Friday, a Friday night. Yeah. Well, we did go out, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah. So even though we hate Valentine's Day, we do take advantage, as always, oh, right. of Sitar Indian Buffet. Right. Sitar does a buffet on Valentine's Day. Which is fucking awesome. We I went mean, they do a buffet go- every day. Every but day, But there's yeah. a special one for Valentine's Day. Oh, and it was yeah. special, all right. And it was fantastic. But we just kind of yeah. had to, like, gorge ourselves, because we were in a hurry. We were with some friends of ours. And uh, we ate really fast so that we could make it over to Central Cinema. Everybody go support yeah. Central Cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were showing Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> which I, I had not Cinema's seen. Awesome. Dude, it's, it's yeah. fantastic. And yeah. Romeo and Juliet, when's the last time you watched that movie? It's been a long time. See, that was like our go-to, like, turn it on and just make out the whole time movie when oh, we yeah. were in high uh-huh. school and, like, early college. So I don't really remember the last time I actually watched, watched it. it. Yeah, that's one of those things I was going to say is I remember a lot of times it being on. Did you have a go-to makeout movie in your younger days? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was just whatever was on usually. But, you can make anything into a makeout movie. Yeah, such a saying. You're real. such a fucking Casanova. Yeah. I, actually, the first time I really made out during a movie was Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> I think I told that story on the Jurassic Park episode. So. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, Sam Neill. He's sexy. Is that he why gets you, me going. That's why you always no, turn like, to the lady next to me. I was like, you're almost Sam Neill. Yeah. <laughs> Did she get weirded out when, you know, you're making out and you're like, oh, Sam. No. She was like, yes, it's me. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> nice. Like, He's Australian. Little role play action there. <laughs> yeah. Get it right or pay the price. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So we went and watched uh, Romeo and Juliet. Like I said, it'd been forever since I'd actually watched it, watched it. That is a zany fucking movie. It is. It's weird. It is a zany, weird movie. It's still a good movie. I like Baz Luhrmann. I like. I like the. I like. I like the over the topness. That's fun. Oh, it's like, very over yeah. the top. It is so over the top, especially yeah. like the first like ten minutes of that movie. That can be real fun. Like I mean, you know, as I said last week, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, Luc Besson. 
and he but he's a big like over the top guy and i think it's a big swing so i can't be mad at luke Besson, like because he makes the big swings everyone every once in a while yeah for me kind of connects and i'm like i see why he does this i see why he takes these big swings Baz Luhrmann, I don't think I've seen anything of his and been like, I hate that. Yeah. So usually just like, okay, yeah, this is fun. There were so many shots in the first like five or ten minutes of that movie with the, the gas station like shootout scene mm-hmm. where there are just like quick zooms on somebody's face and them making a noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah! Anime inspired. It's like anime. Yeah, it's anime fuck, inspired dude. for like, sure. That's yeah. what I was thinking when we were watching it. I was like, this is like watching live action uh-huh. anime or yeah. some shit, man. Except, except it, uh, they told an entire story within about an hour and a half instead of telling a story for an hour and a half and then uh, reminding you of the story for an hour and a half and then reminding you of the story of the story for an hour and a half. Right. And then <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Like, I never watched I remember, it, man. You didn't? No, never I was remember into it. like really getting into it, trying to get into it and just being like, Okay, yeah, I remember that because it just happened. Just <laughs> Move go on. ahead and tell me the story. <laughs> oh, hey, but it. enough about Friday the 13th sequels <laughs> and their intros. Am I right? Yes. All right, moving on, moving on. Yeah, so we had ourselves, a, uh, had ourselves a lovely night. That movie is fucking batshit crazy Yeah, and uh, enjoyable for sure. And then the other day... Uh, we watched Toy Story 4. Uh-oh, spaghetti. And that's, I know why everybody tuned into this horror podcast. Yeah, to we're find here out to talk about Toy, Toy Story, Story 4. 4. It was enjoyable. Yeah. I'll tell you, first thing that stood out to me, the quantum leaps in the animation are just nuts. Yeah. I mean, because we, like I said on the last week's episode, we've been going through and watching like two and then three mm-hmm. to kind of lead our way back up to it. And it's like with every sequel, you're like, wow, the animation can't get better. I mean, just remember Pixar, like, when Toy Story came out, it was like, dude, what? Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. And now, like, now looking back on it, it's like, hmm, that looks like nothing. I know, like, right? Yeah. It's crazy to me. And then even, like, I remember watching Toy Story 3 in theaters and being like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this looks incredible. Yeah. And now you go back and you watch Toy Story 4 and the animation is, it's mm-hmm. eerie. I mean, yeah. there's there's shots in there, especially, like, the intro of the movie, there's a, a toy that gets, like, left outside in the rain. Of and just course. the animation. Of, of course, the, there's a toy that gets left outside in the rain. Yeah. And then everybody weeps. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, here, let's watch a movie together. Thanks, Pixar. <laughs> Thanks, Pixar. Fuck you. Actually, there is just like this like early gut punch at the first of the movie, yes. too. Yes. Because Pixar loves that. Because they fucking nail it. They, they know how to bring you in and be like, no, you were emotionally invested. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you're, you're like, like I guess I am. Ugh. And so. Like, there's some shots of, like, man, the rain and, like, the mud puddles and stuff like that that I swear, dude, you could sneak it into a live-action movie and I would not know any different. Yeah. I think Pixar could do nefarious things with Oh, yeah, animation. we're getting there. We're getting there. I mean, I need to watch Alita Battle Angel. I know a lot of people were, like, not for it, but it was a Robert Rodriguez movie and a lot Rodriguez of people... Rodriguez did that? Yeah, a lot what? of people have said that it, it was now really I'm interested. good. I really think we will get to a point where, like, live-action movies will be kind of a novelty. Where, like, you can so easily duplicate all these things without risking people's lives. Right. Like, you don't have to have a stunt performer do it. So then, you know, there'll be an action movie podcast where they're like, man, remember when they used to do stunts, like, real stunts? And they'll, like, <laughs> any movie that does the real stunts, they'll like. Just right. like horror movie podcast. Remember when they used to have real people on yeah. the screen? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, honestly, we're not getting that far off from it, too, uh, even in terms of the stuff that we saw in The Mandalorian. Did yeah. you see anything about how they did some of the no. backdrops and stuff? No. Holy shit. So this is Amazing. like a screen, uh, a theater revolution, a movie-making revolution, I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. Uh, 
Okay, so like, there's a lot of the backgrounds in that that look very fucking real. Yeah. And you just assume they shot on location. Or yeah, those desert locations look like a desert. Look real. Yeah. It was all filmed on a soundstage. Oh. And they had these gigantic, like 80-foot, huge LED screens behind wow. them. Wow. Is this were, at Pinewood? Or do I don't you know? know where they did okay. it. I'm not sure. But basically, kind of they would build like, you know, whatever, 15 feet of the floor and mm-hmm. put some rocks around it and stuff. And then have these LED screens. To just depict the background yeah yeah and the led screens are synced up to move with camera movement too so it's not just a flat 2d image isn't that nuts yeah so it's a pre-rendered background that moves with camera camera movement i like when we deal with horror we're like get your computers the fuck out of here but the moment it's sci-fi it's like yes computers please (laughs) yeah give me more computers because it's like the spirit of the genre right like yeah it's true yeah the genre of sci-fi is like just lead and everybody else will get there like maybe it's not the best like you remember like vr troopers and stuff in the <laughs> oh, mid 90s yeah. where it was like terrible computer computer animation but they're like fuck it computer animation Fucking we're gonna beast do wars it. yeah beast wars transformers yeah what was that other show that was like uh it was the first 3d rendered animated show well, for did, kids. The, did the people have green skin some of them did. Yeah, I know. And they're all like about. robot people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. What is the name? I don't of that? remember what that's called. Ah, oh, it's gonna drive me insane. That's frustrating. Man. Somebody it's else drive right me now too. Insane, man. But like, without those, we wouldn't have gotten to Toy Story Four. Yeah. Like, totally. without the people who made the leaps to be like, yes, this looks it's bad. It's not but ready imagine yet. Imagine yeah. what it could be. Well, because it's kind of that thing where it's like, it's not ready yet, but I want to go ahead and put this out there that this yeah. is coming. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Toy Story Four was good. It's definitely. A lot less dark than three. Oh, good. I think that they reached a point with three where they were like, you know, let's just tell another like just fun story mm-hmm. of like an adventure that these toys it's go on. Just about the toys, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like one and two are both just kind of, especially two. It's just kind of a fun story about the toys. Yeah, that's kind of how this one is too. Toy Story three got like really life and death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this never quite reaches that fever pitch. Yeah, but it's got some good stuff and actually has some some horror movie homages in there. Oh, cool! If you're watching close, yeah. There's like, uh, no spoilers or anything, but there's a scene where they're like in an antique store with all these like old antique toys that are all creepy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a, uh, there's like a Victrola that's oh. playing Midnight in the Stars in You. Oh no. Yeah. It's what? like subtle, you know, uh, shining homage, but it's there. Oh God, that's going to fuck up cool. a second generation when they see the shining because they'll have positive <laughs> yeah, associations kind of with it. And then they'll be like, oh <laughs> <What>? no. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a good week, man. Just been very fucking busy. Still been hitting that gym and all yeah, that jazz. So yeah. Things are things are going well. We've been gymming. We're gym boys. Yeah, we're gym boys. Isn't that, Hi, we're the gym boys. Is that becoming a thing? I've noticed that like all all of us who grew up as kind of like nerdy and you know maybe outcast a bit. Uh, Homeschooled even. Yeah, I've noticed in our thirties we're all like, I'm gonna get fit. Yeah, maybe I try this out. And then like the guys who played football that you went to school with are these big fat dudes now. Well, dude, I was gonna say like a lot of the people that I knew that were athletes in high school, yeah, all of their joints are destroyed now. Yeah, like they yeah. all they've all like are having knee replacements. They yeah. all their meniscuses worked on and stuff. Like so we. We weren't cowards. We were just preserving ourselves. We're going to fall apart when we're 40, damn it. Take that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steve, the subject of our show today, of course, is the people under the stairs. And uh, this is the first time that I watched this movie, so I'm excited to talk about it because I had no idea what I was getting into going into it. But one Mm -hmm. of the first things that made me enjoy this movie straight out the gate 
is that it starts off with this cool tarot card reading. It does. I was like, oh, what do we got going on here now? A <laughs> little, did, little did cult action. Did you immediately action? recognize the voice without knowing the face? Like, you hear the voice and you're like, I know. No, that. I did Okay. I immediately did, and I think it's because of my love of summer school, but like, uh, she she's like got this perfect voice oh, for the that sister? sort of yeah, the sister. Okay, because she she she's in some other stuff. She's in Friday Thirteenth Part Five, The Dream Child, and stuff. Oh fuck! And she's in a movie called Popcorn, a horror movie. Pop. I didn't Popcorn. realize that was her. So like, I I kind of grew up with her voice. So as soon as I hear it, I'm like, yeah yeah yeah, her. Nice. <laughs> like, I can't picture her face. Until you show it to me, but I know who that is. You ever had a tarot card reading, Steve? No. You ever dabbled with any of that black magic and witchery? Oh, I'd dabble with black magic if it was real. That would be <laughs> all I would fucking do. Like, why would you not? Why wouldn't I want to be a sorcerer? Yeah, that would be the greatest thing in the world. I, uh, yes, I remember as a teenager wanting all that to be real, buying a satanic Bible, uh, fucking buying all the shit I could, any occult or anything shit, and really fucking leaning into it. And finding nothing. There's nothing there. So All you could do it. is conjure those black flames on those candles, and that, that was wasn't it. enough for you? It wasn't enough. Did you ever play Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board? I did myself and make me look like a completely different person. Aww. One time, though. All right. Oh, yeah. And that was that time that you showed up to my Halloween party as George Michael, and I thought George mm -hmm. Michael arrived. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say it does work. It was, I mean, it was worth it. I did lose like several years off my life by doing it, but whatever. Oh, I'm going to say worth it for sure. <laughs> well, totally worth it. You walked down those stairs and I just could not believe my eyes. It's like, oh, George Michael's at my party. Here oh, it's is. Steve. All right, Steve. So with that in mind, I say yeah. before we start talking about this movie and, and deep diving into that thing, how about we just uh, take a little detour here into the preview palace? Welcome to the preview palace classic. Ooh, classic. Yeah, that Old was school. The OG. Very yeah. nice, man. <laughs> And how about we consult with those witches and wizards over at BuzzFeed and find out what tarot card matches our personality. Yeah, I think this goes really well with the, the movie we're doing because our main character, Fool, is matched with his tarot card. That's so true. That's true. Let's find out Maybe how we, we got a match into too. this. Let's concert with... Uh, concert? Concert. Let's concert. <laughs> Let's concert. Let's consult. Okay, so Anna there are about Borges. 12 options with each of these questions, but there's only about five questions, so we'll, we'll try to get through them pretty quick. That's right. Oh, man, we got to pick a crystal. I know that we're both really into the power of uh, healing <laughs> crystals and stuff. Yeah. Man, that's one of those like new white people things where I'm it like, is. really? <laughs> I'm just totally of the opinion that like human beings on a grand universal scale aren't important enough no, that that, that basic, rocks matter. That rocks matter yeah. to us. Same with like uh, uh yeah the constellations and uh, our uh, astrological signs and all that stuff. I'm like humans aren't that important <sighs> we, that everything revolves we around really us. Really and truly are not. It, it, like if you want to check our astrological sign, you would need to check the astrological sign of everyone around you and every creature around you to really get a picture. If astrology were true, yeah. to really get a picture of the day. And why don't you just live the day and figure out what happens? Maybe that. There you go. <laughs> anyway, pick a crystal. We got rose quartz, black tourmaline, metal, amethyst, labradorite, tiger's eye, rainbow obsidian, red jasper, <laughs> desert rose selenite, Sunstone, Malachite, Peacock Ore, or Citrine. I'm going to go with that Peacock Ore. I think that's pretty. That is pretty. And I like that color scheme That is a lot. pretty. Who are you? Well, I, uh, black like my soul. Black Tourmaline. Very nice, man. Mm -hmm. 
All right, next we got, what color is your aura? There's just a bunch of plain colors here. I'm not going to name them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, name the one you pick. I'm going to go with purple. purple. I'm feeling yeah, a purple today. Uh, not the violet. There is also a violet there. That's right. You're going with purple. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I chose the violet. My mistake. Oh, wow. Yeah, what am I doing, man? Mm, what man. am I doing? People would have been confused. Are you an orange man again? The, yeah, I'm an orange yeah. man. At the end, they would have been like, hey, I can't see how you got that answer with purple. <laughs> I just don't see it. Um, there are roughly 12 answers to this question, and we're not going to read each of those answers because they're an entire sentence. So yeah. what would you feel? Where would you feel most yourself? Ooh. All right, Steve, from this myriad of answers, I'm going to say a crowded nightclub surrounded by attractive strangers. I mean, that is, yeah, that's, that's what happens to me every time I, I play a say, big old rock show. I was going to say, that's a pretty regular occurrence for you. And uh, yeah, I, that's fun for sure. I don't like loud, but I love being uh, uh, around attractive strangers. So that's fun. Mm. <laughs> um, For me, this is a tough one between uh, a hot day at the beach surrounded by lots of friends and a penthouse office with an incredible view. Ooh, that sounds nice. And those things are completely opposing. <laughs> so I'd rather be at the hot beach with lots of friends. Right near the beach. Right near the beach. Bye. <laughs> All right, Steve, now we got to pick a tarot deck. This is kind of a visual one, so whatever. Golden Thread deck, Wild Unknown deck, Luminous Spirit deck, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Pick yours and describe what you think. Um, of that thing. Well, I'm going to go with the Crowley Thoth deck. Oh, yeah? The classic, huh? I, I recognized Aleister Crowley's name, and I know that the god of, the god Thoth is the god of writing. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Look at you. That's going to help you in your literary pursuits. Mm-hmm. I'm very tempted to choose the Lisa Frank deck. That's awesome. Because yeah. it's fucking Lisa it Frank. It really is awesome. awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Crystal Visions deck, though. The because Crystal Visions deck. When I deck. think of tarot and all things no age, Crystal new Visions. age, Crystal Visions is exactly what Crystal I think Crystal Visions of. was a store in uh, a mall nearby that's actually closed now. That's right. It did. But Crystal Visions had been there since the 70s, I believe. Jesus Christ. And I never understood, like, how do they stay in business? But then I realized, like, oh, teenagers go in and buy stupid shit crystals and stuff yeah like <laughs> they always had like pure moods uh-huh. playing <laughs> i like the little dude in the background that went, i always imagined it was like a native american standing at the top of a mountain <laughs> this is the visual i got like every time the i heard tear it running down his eye because exactly. he saw a litter 15 Ooh, miles away garbage <laughs> Pick a cloth for your tarot readings. You now have to these... have a rag to do a tarot? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. If you're not on the rag, you can't tarot. You can't just like do it on your table or whatever? <laughs> Let me set out my tarot rag. <laughs> um, th- these are all patterns. We'll just describe the pattern that yeah. we pick. Who are you going with, man? Um, I'm actually going to go with this uh, psychic readings pattern Ooh, yeah, that actually nice. reminds me of a clairvoyant t-shirt. Free shout out to clairvoyant clothing company. Hey, look out. You guys are the best. Who will be back with us soon. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. They will be. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's got kind of a palm and a sun and a moon. Just kind of a classic, almost Ouija style illustration. I'm going to go with this one that's black and white with all the moon phases and kind of a mandala type design. That yeah, seems, it's cool. That seems like that's going to focus my, oh, my, my chi it's gonna, it's for gonna, my tarot. Gonna focus that's all how the, that works, right? Focus all the good juju, I, I guess? think so, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's going to charge up my mega buster. Oh, yeah. That's the same thing, right? right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> pick a quote that speaks to you. Again, we have 12 options. We'll just you don't read hear all of them. Pick. All right, Ben. I'm going to go with... I restore myself when I'm alone. Oh, oh you're talking about jerking off? Yeah. This is an absolute truth. I love jerking off. 
<laughs> I just hide somewhere. Hell, who doesn't? Go to town on myself. Uh, no, I, I really do need time by myself. Heard that. Recharging uh, batteries. Like, I'm not one of those people who needs new people around them all the time. I can spend all of my time with my wife. But in that time, I need time completely to myself or I will go insane. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very normal. Mm-hmm. Steve, life is too short to not have fun. I'm going to choose that one because I like to have a good time yeah, all doesn't? the time. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right. Pick a place to keep your cords. Again, this is a design thing. We'll just tell you which design we pick. But this one, not hard for me at all. <laughs> I want to pick this little rose box that looks like the puzzle box kind of from... Uh, kind of does. From Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah, you got an ornate rose design yeah. on there. I think I'm just going to go with my theme here and go with this black and white sun and moon design. That Hell seems yeah. kind of crystal vision-y to me. Finally, Ben, what's your zodiac sign? Okay, I am a Cancer, but I'm on the cusp of Gemini, hence Ooh, my dual personality. Wow, that makes sense. But I think Cancer is actually what I am supposed to be, yeah. so I'm going to go with Mr. Crab. I'm just a blazing-ass Leo. Yeah? This is how you don't want to say you're one of those power Leos, huh? Rawr, I'm a leader. I've got Leos all up in my life my that's wife true. is one of them leos yeah that's true and uh, actually that's i mean obviously like august and september pretty common birthdays because people fuck in the winter right um growing up i i found that surprising and this is not uh, giving any credence to astrology but found it surprising that a lot of my friends were august birthdays but that is again because statistically that's more likely so you end up in the same grade together and yeah yada. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's true all right, Steve, what tarot are you? I got the sun, homie. Hey, we actually got different answers this time. That's surprising. What <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your description? You have a natural vibrance that draws people in. That's oh, kind of true. You. How could you not? You're positive and optimistic, enthusiastic and warm, energetic and fun. You can be a bit arrogant. That's absolutely true. Have a hard time dealing with more serious situations. Mm. I do because I have super anxiety. We but might be becoming believers in the tarot. Yeah, that's true. But there's no denying you can make people happy. Yeah, that's true. I can make Look people at happy. You. Hmm. And you love jerking it. I fucking do. It's great. <laughs> I got the moon. <gasps> We're the sun and the moon. Look at us. We're twins. You're deeply creative and intuitive. And many people find you mysterious. That's I think true. this is for Davy Strange. That's what I was going to say. This I was going to say, Davey that's Stranger. true of Davy Strange. You can Stranger. be manipulative and have a dark side that you're good at hiding. And maybe have a few skeletons in your closet. Actually, it's just guitar cases. Yeah, Lots yeah. of guitar I've cases. I've seen that closet. There. It's just yeah. guitar cases. That said, there's a distinct dreamlike quality about you. Some might even say psychic. I'm a Whoa. bit psychic. Daphne Moon. Whoa. That's my, me, Daphne Moon. I'm a bit psychic. <laughs> bit psychic, ain't I? Dude, I think this is about Davey. I think actually Davey yeah, took that test. Which is. It wasn't me. Truly you. I mean, that's when you that's let your mean. true self out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Well, now that we are true believers in the divine art of the tarot, let's finally, once and for all, get into this Wes Craven get classic. Into this goddamn 1991 Wes Craven classic. The people I, under the stairs. What's interesting to me is that this isn't talked about more because this is a movie that did really well on a low budget. Wes Craven, right in the midst of Big like, old name. Right in the midst of his career. But this isn't one that I see people like talk about as like, oh, this is one of yeah. my favorites from my childhood and shit like yeah. that. And but for me, this is one that I did see as maybe like a, a 11, 12 year old. Yeah. 
And it freaked me the fuck out. If I would have seen this when I was an 11 or 12 year old, I would have been fucking mortified. Yeah. And I, I saw... Uh, oh wait, hang on. Mortified, terrified, terrified. Yeah, yeah, again with this. I gotta, I gotta I catch got, myself. I got Fuck. Two emails congratulating me. <laughs> and on now look at, you. now look at me going back on my old ways. God damn it. God damn it. I'm a slow learner. Anyway, I'll get it right one of these whatever, days. I would have no been horrified, horrified to see this. Um, yeah, this was one because like, I know the Burbs and the uh, and parents came out around this time, and I remember seeing. Uh, this, the burbs, and parents all like around each other, and it, the burbs is funny, and it never really like freaked me out fully because it's Tom Hanks, like he's America's dad. Yeah. So like you feel comfortable, uh, and then the parents is like so comical, but this one is like funny at times, but mostly real fucking disturbing. Oh yeah, and a yeah. lot of times it's like sucker punch disturbing too. Yeah. Where you'll kind of like get in a certain vibe and be like, oh, okay, I know the mood of this and movie. And then it's like, no, no, you don't. Pulls the rug out it's from under you. It's way darker than that. <laughs> way fucking weirder. Way weirder out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time that I had ever seen this one. I, and I had no clue yeah. what it was about. Yeah. And no, I, I understand. I kept myself going into this blind on purpose just so I could Good. just enjoy it as it came to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't mm. read any reviews or trivia or anything like that before I watched the movie. I just wanted to go in not knowing anything about it. And I'm glad that I did because it really kind of let me enjoy the, the ever-changing tone mm-hmm. of the movie. Because yeah. honestly, like the first, the first maybe, you know, 30 minutes or so of the movie where we've got uh, Fool, Point mm-hmm. Dexter. Yeah. And his family, and they're living this inner city life that's really grubby and just grimy and nasty. Yeah, they got a lot of rough stuff. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of gave me instant Candyman vibes. Ah, yeah. You know, which I think if you're showing urban decay and inner city and black protagonists in a horror movie, and it's the early '90s, you automatically just kind of think Candyman. Well, yeah, that and that that, but that was like such a familiar setting. Yeah, that's just such a familiar setting for. If you're going to have black protagonists and like this movie and like Candyman, you're going to address things like, uh, you know, um, social inequality, social inequality, like the, the the problems with capitalism, all these issues. No, you're, no, hang on, you're talking about capitalism. I see you getting your Bernie Bernie Sanders I did, hands I out. I did immediately. The problems. This movie's about the one percent. This movie's, movie's about how the one percent are degenerates. <laughs> I am once again asking you for your people under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to go out and vote on the Democratic ticket. Bring your people Sanders. under the stairs with you. <laughs> I see that you're very pale. Your teeth are rotten. I'm going to get your health care. I'm going to show you the sun. I love that making fun of Bernie is just reminding people how awesome he is. <laughs> like, yeah, even true. when you're making fun of him, it's like, yeah, that sounds great. He would, he would help <laughs> them out, wouldn't sound he? awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so like. Uh, yeah, there, there is some similarity. Uh, of course, that's uh, was set in the uh, Chicago housing projects, and this is set in South Central LA. Okay, and this I was is dealing. Say, did it ever say where this took place? Because to me, it was like this nameless anywhere town. I, I don't recall it does ever saying. specifically say at some point something about LA. I mean, I know that the house, the real house, is in LA. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's about half a mile away from USC. So uh, yeah, it's 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 like. Heading towards South Central. Okay. Well, maybe I just missed it because I never got a location yeah. out of this. This just, to me, was any yeah. inner city, you know? Um. So, yeah, the the yeah, you're dealing with the same stuff, the same, like, inner city problems. You're opening up with these same sort of issues. And 
it goes a completely different way. Yeah. Because with Candyman, we've got this, like, scary individual in the hood who basically keeps people in hood in the hood in the line, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, like, it's... Check like, out our Candyman episode for more about that. Right. Whereas in this case, the villains are true villains. They go to the source of yeah. the problem of, like, yeah. what's causing this urban yeah, decay. Yeah, why the urban decay is because you have this... Uh, dragon hoarding the wealth you have these rich people hoarding the wealth and they are this like absolute representation of conservatism yeah yeah. they're character of in a lot of ways they're very they're very uh, like heavy reagan like super into um (laughs) shaming people morally while being amoral like all all the stuff that you think of when you think of conservatism. I think so. Yeah. Think so. Uh, hoarding money and pretending that people should make money, but it's like, where's the money going to come from? You have <laughs> it all. And pretending to be a Christian while not giving a fuck about uh-huh. doing anything Christian. Yeah, t- like, telling someone who did nothing wrong in their entire life they're going to hell as you burn them. And yeah. like having no reflectiveness on the fact like, oh, I'm the only one who's actually done anything wrong here. Yeah, and having yeah. zero desire to actually give to the poor right. and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> and we're not for reaching here. This is no, what Wes Craven was going for very clearly. Oh, there's yeah, yeah. no, like, there's no, no deep, deep subtext in this. A lot of it's very clear it's what he's going for. It's pretty on the nose, yeah. honestly. Yeah, not very buried. And it's funny, too, because, like, a lot of what this is about in so many ways is a lot of the same stuff we talked about in last week's Us episode. That's true. I, I saw that, and, and actually even saying uh, the people under the stairs is like this implication that there's like an underworld connected to this above world by the stairs. Uh, I the know is, that this is was an influence on Get Out, and I'm not sure, sure. if Jordan Peele has said that Get it Out influence. or Us. Oh, he said specifically in an interview that this was one of the influences of Get Out okay. because he wanted to show how like depraved these families can be behind the walls like they can put up these very obvious like uh great family sort of fronts where everybody's like yeah they're they're good but like behind closed doors they're these terrible people that's the thing about even the title of this movie uh that i thought was really interesting is like whenever i was a kid and i would see it you know see the box for this movie which has Mm -hmm. a great box yeah the skull skull over the building stuff really Mm -hmm. cool box art and i just read the title I thought that it would be about how, you know, I don't know, maybe a haunted house or yeah, like it seems like scary that. shit that could be in your own home or whatever. Well, the, the, like even as the title says that the people under the stairs would are the be bad the, guys, the bad guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this movie, you know, now and especially after having uh, having seen it and saw the, the social commentary and stuff in it, I see that title as having a lot more to do with, you know, if there's people under the stairs. Mm hmm. That means that you're walking on their heads to yeah. climb. Yeah, you're climbing above them. You are you are you are going ahead of them. Yeah, because obviously but you're not pulling them up because they turn those stairs into a slide immediately. Like yeah, which is exactly what happens. What happens in this? Yeah, as soon as you as soon as someone becomes that rich person, they're like, well, you know, I can't give you handouts, and it's like, motherfucker, you know, you got a million handouts on the way to becoming rich. Yeah, like, totally. That's how that happens. But no, you got to turn the stairs into a slide now. Nobody can get up except you. You step over everyone's head exactly. to get where you want to be. Keep them down there. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like they really could have called this movie the people in the basement, the people mm-hmm. in the cellar, the people in right. the walls. But they specifically chose stairs mm-hmm. 
because of the societal climb, yeah. yes, so to that, speak. Th- yes, exactly. Wes Craven was not trying to hide anything. No. This and I'll is- tell you too, man. Like Again, this is the first time that I watched this. Mm-hmm. And Kate and I both had never seen it. We sat down and watched mm. it last night after hitting the gym. And it absolutely passed the phone test. Meaning oh, yeah. You never paid attention us, to your phone. Yeah. Neither of us. Like, we got to the very end of the movie and we were like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't been playing my game. I haven't checked my Instagram. Like, I haven't done yeah. anything. We've both just been sitting here. That's awesome. That's good Focused on this movie. Yeah. yeah. So, Wes Craven, you were saying? Oh, uh, uh, this is probably Wes Craven's most overt movie overtly political uh, for overtly sure overtly political movie like he's he's had messages before i would say but this is the one that's like i have a message and i don't want anyone to mistake what it is yeah like yeah. i want it to be clear what the message is and then i want there to be some depth beyond that you can look further into it looking further into it doesn't reveal oh actually these are good people mm-hmm. he reveals actually they're worse than i was even portraying them as because what they're doing is not only dragging down um the people in their home, they're dragging down the rest of society to make sure that they have a big house, to make sure they have protection from All the, the outside of the world. Why do you even need that protection? Because you're taking the money from everyone so that you can have money to protect yourself from the people who are mad at you because you took their money. It's just a constant fucking cycle with, with the rich too because it's like if you become a billionaire, now you do need protection. Yeah. Well, because you've done probably some things along the way where you've stepped on a lot of heads. Which you've just heard a further lot of insulates you from yeah. the real world that's yes, happening outside of you, which makes you care less and less and less about them. Go read Obama's book that he put out after his first term. He talks about when he first like started, like when it became this sort of thing where it looked like he was going to get the nomination and how the billionaires started basically surrounding him and becoming the only people that he saw. Mm. And what he found was, you know, yeah, the the billionaire set they they the billionaire set have all these people with great personalities. They're intelligent. They they are so well informed. They have all this to say, but they are completely disconnected from the rest of the world. Oh yeah, no. they don't see deaths as a cost because someone dying costs you nothing and they're worried more about dollars than they are about people yeah for sure this is obama who worked with billionaires like crazy this motherfucker was as neoliberal as they come and he was still calling out this horror that these people have the most control over politics they separate politicians so that they can't deal with the average person because dealing with the average person reminds you Oh, yeah, there are huge societal ills that have not been addressed since the 40s. Yeah. We need to do something. So I think this is this is like one of those movies that reminds me that not only have our problems gotten worse, but not much has improved in any matter. Not much has changed. Not much of anything has changed since the early 90s and even earlier. Yeah. Like... That's because we keep voting in neoliberals who are conservatives. Like, we, we've we stopped voting. There are no left candidates anymore except for Bernie. Like, he's the only one, and he's barely left. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we've voted so far right to the because we keep doing that thing where we're like, who's electable? 
well, middle America's not going to vote for a left candidate. Well, then fucking you vote for a right candidate. Let the rest <laughs> of us vote for a left candidate. Like, yeah. So, like, it's 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 just been driven further and further and further right to where the, the point now is, like, we don't even get to see billionaires portrayed this negatively anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't happen in movies. When it does, say... Uh, I'll say like knives out. I, that's not too much of a revelation that these are a, a bunch of billionaires who are assholes, but it's Imagine like that. charmingly assholeish. Yeah, I would yeah. say the same about ready or not charmingly assholeish. And it's like, let's take the charm off. Let's take the sheen off. Let's see some more people under the stairs. Let's see what they really are. They're, they're Trump. Like if you hung out with Trump, you'd be disgusted most of the time because the man eats shit. He acts like shit and he is shit. Like, <laughs> Like tell us what you really think, Steve. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you wouldn't... Like, even the biggest Trump supporter, unless they are a bully and asshole like him, would probably just be like, eh, this guy's, you have he's no, a douche. You have nothing in common with him. Yeah. Nothing. I, I mean, I've even seen Trump supporters admit that. Like, I don't like him as a person, but he gets across the things that I want done. I mean, which means that they suck inside, but whatever. Uh, he He's a piece of shit that people don't really want to hang out with, and he is the epitome of this, like crawl over whoever push I don't down know, whoever man. i mean jeffrey epstein seemed pretty yeah. stoked to hang out yeah, with him that's true epstein sure loved hanging out with trump <laughs> <laughs> but i mean again we're we're not reaching here though because trump was one of the people that wes craven is obviously lampooning in some ways satirizing mm-hmm. trump was his dad was a slumlord that is how he made his millions he did this shit. Trump continued to do it. In the 80s, everybody knew Trump as this grubby slumlord who had too much money. That was it. Yeah. I mean, you look at Back to the Future 2. That's Trump. They were When they were showing Biff, they were making fun of Trump. So, like, to, to think that Wes Craven foresaw President Trump. He didn't foresee President Trump. He saw the current Donald Trump in the 90s and was like, okay, let's make fun of that guy. Yeah, for sure. So, like... It's not just that they're going for a Nancy Reagan, Ronald Reagan thing, which they did like physically. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they, cause like, um, what's his name? Everett McGill, who should be in so many more movies. He's amazing. He's amazing. He, he's definitely got that sort of Ronnie look, mm-hmm. but he doesn't play the mother and like eating jelly beans. Like he's not like inept the mm-hmm. way Ronald was near the end of his life. Uh, but then the, yeah, the wife looks kind of like, um, what's her name? Nancy Reagan. They just have that, that wholesome, very like 1950s idyllic uh-huh. American. But then just hate on their face. Oh, where yeah. It's like, you can look at it and be like, how do you, how does not everybody see this when they look at that person's face? Just hate, just pure anger. Yeah. It's almost like more like a Carpenter movie to me, honestly, in That's terms true. of like that sociopolitical commentary yeah. hiding in a horror flick. I didn't really expect that out of out of Wes Craven. Yeah, he doesn't do that much. No, he's he's really more, more into the art, more into like uh, referencing element. artistic and mythological elements. But like, yeah, psychological, but not, yeah, not this just very raw, blatant, blatant, like, let's talk about the issues. Uh, I don't think we ever got it from him again after this, but it, it succeeded. But basically based off of his success that he had had with uh, obviously, like Elm Street and yeah. stuff like that. Was he just basically given a budget and said, oh, yeah. have fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Universal gave him a $6 million dollar budget, which is... It's it's low. I mean, we've talked about movies around this time. Most of them cost around 10 to more. $6 million is low, but 
it's Wes Craven. So they basically were like, six million doesn't mean much to us and you're Wes Craven. We don't have a lot of questions. Just yeah, do, your thing. do yeah. your thing. And then it did surprisingly well in the box office. And nice. they were like, great. It made its money back in three days. Perfect. Let's keep hiring Wes Craven. I don't really know how this doesn't get talked about more. I don't either. It, I think it's like, it's right there in the middle of his career with Shocker and Vampire in Brooklyn. Vampire in Brooklyn was another one I recommended maybe doing this month. Uh, it, it's not great. I, Vampire in Brooklyn is maybe why he... Because after Vampire in Brooklyn, I believe he took a break for three years before he made Scream. Okay. So maybe he was like, oh, I get to do whatever I want. I'll make this like crazy comedy with Eddie Murphy vampire. And then that failed. And he was like, back to the drawing board. Got it. But yeah, like shocker, people are in stairs and Vampire in Brooklyn don't get talked about a lot. Like that little. Maybe it's like the, the same to him as like Mouth of Madness is to Carpenter. Right. It's like, why the fuck do people not pay attention to this? Movie? Yeah, because it's, it's like so like ahead of its time maybe yeah i think so Where like i i don't know the horror had always been political but maybe this is one of the more like overt ones early maybe there weren't a lot around that time that had been so overt with their politics and maybe that's why again i mean he's questioning rich people like questioning rich people is biting the hand that feeds you yeah, in it's Hollywood. a dangerous game yeah. for sure well and also too i mean you gotta think 1991 maybe this was just too early for average horror audience to latch onto a movie with a black kid as the main character i mean it made 36 million dollars so did well. it did well in the theaters but yeah maybe it just doesn't yeah maybe that's it possibly i mean it it has the goonies feel but maybe white kids who uh were consuming horror movies in the 90s just didn't connect to it because of that i don't know that seems odd though because i remember connecting to it because of the freakishness and it actually just reminded me of like when you go to stay at a friend's house and you don't know anything about their parents and their oh, parents yeah. are like you're like scared of them so yeah like, totally man I, that's what it reminded me of as a kid yeah and, that's a great way to sum that up yeah that is that was a really weird feeling as a yeah. kid for sure and then like if you do get in trouble and the parents yell or something and you're like how do I deal with this? Yeah, what do I do now? This Shit. is not my house. <laughs> like, I'll just sit over here in a corner and not say words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but it this... still feels very much like a Craven movie. Like, it it's does, got a yeah, lot of, like, Wes Craven-isms to yeah, it. Yeah, and it's got, like, it's got his, like, comedy elements. Like, it's really, it really seems to be on the way to Scream, where... I think so, too. With Scream, like, he was able to keep consistent comedy, so it kept a consistent tone. And this, the tone is a little uneven, because... Yeah, the comedy's kind of on again, yeah, off again. But it's fun. It is funny. It's and I think just, it, it also kind of serves to make the fucked up stuff seem more shockingly fucked up. Yeah. You're like, just a second ago, I was having a fun time. And now <laughs> yeah. there's this fucking, you know, half decimated corpse of Ving Rhames on screen. Yeah. I think actually the, the escalation in tone works great. But then after that it is where it has the problem is that yeah. like you see it, it goes slowly to like, yeah, they're just it's the two of them like walking through looking for the guy who already came in. And it's still com like kind of comical, and it's like everything's fine. And then they show up, and it's still like, oh, like how are they gonna get out of this one? And then it's like, oh, they're not. Oh, now he's in an S and M uh, getup with a shotgun. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Yeah. But then, like, when it does go back to the comedic moments, it seems like it's taking a, a step back, and the tone's a little bit that's off. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I would I would say that's kind of a fault of the movie. Like, if it would have just like 
hit the gas and then floored it mm-hmm. nonstop. Yeah. It would have been a major, yeah, rug yeah. being pulled out. I mean, you could still have the thing. comedy. Like, there are moments where the kid says stuff that's funny in real, like, tense moments, and it works. You thought that sucker was white before? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down so many of his oh, lines because they're just so He's perfect. He's got some great ones, man. And yeah. so does Ving Rhames, man. When oh, Bing yeah, Rames Ving like, Rhames is in there. Too old for the tit. Too young for the ass. Yeah, that's why, thir- <laughs> that's why being 13 sucks, because you're too old for the tit and too young for the ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Also, this is the second time in a short time period that Ving Rhames ended up in a movie with a guy in a gimp suit. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> you know he has to be on the Just set like of those movies being later. like, what? how the fuck do I keep do ending I up in this situation? <laughs> and now this one's fucking me. God damn it. What's going to happen in the next movie? The next movie, he is the game. He is the game, yeah. <laughs> Uncredited. But yeah, Fool has some great lines in here, too. He really does. Um, At one point, he says to his mom, who's dying of cancer, this is a, an element of the, the reason that the, I guess, inciting incident of this is this is a family of seven kids. Three have already died in gang violence. Uh... Two are in prison. His sister works as a prostitute on the Sunset Strip. And that's kind him. of like glazed over, but yeah, yeah, it's like you turning tricks over here. That's kind of well, about yeah, all well, they say it's, about it's it. Said, it's said in a non-judgmental way. Like yeah. he's just a fact teller at that moment. He's not saying like he's not saying anything negative about the True. sister. He likes her. Uh, he's just saying that she turns tricks on Sunset Strip. Um, and the mom is dying of a very treatable form of cancer. But they can't afford. But they can't afford to do anything of. about yeah. it. So that's like the 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 like inciting incident and the the little boy says to his mom and this is the not only funny but also super sweet he says one day i'm gonna buy you a cadillac for each foot mama and you're gonna skate around town looking so bad man that's so cute he's got and heart. sweet and funny yeah like, yeah definitely really funny uh he he also says later, because he's just like, I don't know, he's just a little man. Like, he's just got that. And, and yeah, well, we've all met kids like that who are just like, no, nah, I'm an adult. Well, he probably had to grow up a little bit too fast. Of course he did. Judging by yeah. his circumstances. But, like, when they're outside the house and Spencer has gone in, he's the, the white dude that's with him. He's gone in, like, pretending to be the meter reader. And uh, Ving Rhames is like, man, he's in there stealing all the best stuff. I and mean, he's trying to hide it from us. And uh, the kid says, Spencer messed with you. He got to deal with me, too. It's yeah, like, dude. That's adorable. He's a hard ass. And like, all right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that I liked about this, too, is like, especially if I was a kid watching this, you know, in the 90s, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, kids in, in horror movies are just being terrorized relentlessly. They're yeah, very much the victims kid. and stuff. This kid is a hard ass. But he's not stupid. Because when, no. when he, like starts to go down in the basement looking for Spencer and he hears a noise. He goes, I ain't stupid. And it runs out. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's kind of like an anti-horror trope. Yes, in a lot exactly. Of ways. And he is just a complete hard ass and he's super smart. And the kid that plays him is awesome and has been in a ton of shit. Yeah. He won a young artist award for Sandlot. He was also in Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks 2. Uh, My God. A bunch of other stuff. But like, so uh, yeah, this kid's great. Great actor. At no point did I feel like, oh, like, bad line delivery or anything it felt like this kid is probably who he wrote the script for like this is exactly who you want to play the role too and i think that there's significance too in the fact that you know his name is point dexter point dexter he's (laughs) given the intellectual nerd Uh name from like when we were kids when there was the age of the classic nerd yeah point dexter is like classic nerd name and he aspires to be a doctor but in that community 
everybody views him as a fool for even thinking that that's yeah, a that possibility. Yeah, that you could possibly get out of here. Which yeah. is, I mean, that's not exclusive to black communities. That's true of every poor community. If you think you're going to get out of it, there are about 20 people who want to drag you down. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Because if you can get out of it, that means they can, and they have to accept the fact that they didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if they worked harder in yeah. some circumstances. In I'm some, not saying every I mean, most of the situation, though, usually is that just like uh, the girl in this, that's the world you know, so you can't actually operate outside of it. Like, there's that's no true. comprehension of a world yeah. beyond that. You know what? Yeah. That, that's kind of interesting, because I guess the characters of Fool and Alice, which is the kept daughter, mm-hmm. uh, they are both just very completely insulated in their environments yeah. and stuff, and are just you know convinced by the people around them that this is life, this is normal. Yeah. And you get to see those two worlds interact. And it's like literally a black boy and a white girl. Like mm-hmm. two complete opposites. And and like I, I love the fact that because she's so sheltered, they think they're sheltering her from the evils. And to them, the evils are black people. Like and they, poor they, people. They, yeah. they say that very specifically. Like they, they refer well, they say they the want to get rid of the people in their building to replace them with clean people. Yeah. Yeah. And dad drops the N-bomb in there, He drops too. the N-bomb in it. Yeah, like, so th- this is a, a place where they're trying to keep her away from what they think are the evils, and that is seeing someone with too much melanin. Like, oh my God, get out of here with all that melanin. <laughs> so they're, they're super racist, and they're trying to keep her from that, but by doing that, when she does see a black boy... She doesn't have an aversion to him because she has no negative association. She's never even been in the world to see a black child. When he calls himself a brother, she's like, I don't have a brother. Like, she, right, like yeah. to her, it's no just context. no context. So they're thinking they're protecting her. And all they're doing is making her more curious about the world outside and more curious about the things that they're protecting her from. For more about that, check out our back episode on Raw. There you go. Really or awesome check out, French movie. Um, everyone's life <laughs> when they lived in fundamentalist <laughs> Christian households like yeah. Wes Craven did growing up. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. This is one of his more personal movies when you think of it that way. Because I guess he grew so. up in a very strict Baptist household. A lot of this would have been personal to him it would yeah, have I guess been so. possible he might have that he written some of himself into into the yeah. character of alice i guess uh, again a reason why this movie should probably be talked about more i think so and alice is played by what's her name that was in my so-called life yeah rayanne in my so-called life she That's right uh, she had a drug overdose at her party or whatever I right think so yeah, man that show drunk. was good dude it was it was a good show and jared leto and uh and claire danes i uh-huh. mean two people who went on to be awesome freaking actors that's right i said freaking Look out, oh, using the hard F there. Hard huh? F, yeah. Ooh, man. <laughs> Flipping. But, uh, yeah, Kelly Joe or not Kelly Joe Mentor, AJ Langer is her name. Uh, Kelly Joe Mentor is the mom. The, not not the mom, the sister, the terror-reading sister. So you said she was in what else? AJ Langer, she's, uh, oh, you're talking about the the terror-reading sister? Yeah. Oh, she's in uh, Friday, the, or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child. I can't Child. believe I didn't, like, recognize that that was her. She's also in The Lost Boys briefly. Oh, okay. Um, and she appears in Popcorn, which is a horror movie that never more obscure. It. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen that one. I mean, we also I mean Everett McGill was also the uh the werewolf preacher in Silver Bullet. Like these are people who 
Oh shit! Okay, yeah. so he, that's the guy that plays Dad in the movie, right? Yeah. Or Man, I guess yeah. as he's listed. Holy shit! He is totally in Silver Bullet. Yes. I knew he was familiar because I've never watched Twin Peaks. Yeah. He. Yeah. Him, he and, him uh, and Wendy, woman. Wendy Roby are both from Twin Peaks. They played a couple in Twin Peaks. That's pretty cool that he just like imported this yeah, couple he, and cast. He just as liked couple. their chemistry on Twin Peaks, and he was like, "I want them to be the couple." One of these days, I'm gonna watch that shit. I've never seen Twin it's Peaks. Weird. I've never seen Fire Walk with Me. The movie. Okay. I've never I, seen I mean, I think it's worth watching. I haven't watched. The, the 2017 season or yeah, 2018 yeah. season. I heard everybody say it was just fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, Laura Dern's in it. Worth watching for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to watch those. But I think it's cool that Craven was just apparently a fan of their acting together and yeah. Twin Peaks is like, well, I've got to put them in my movie too. <laughs> Might as well. And they're fucking awesome. Yeah, they play well together. Just so well. And like, she, she does that... She does that like... I need to talk to the manager face so well. Like she, she look, she's able to really portray that. Like, oh, I hate you. Like yeah, when totally. you look at her face, like, oh, you are the worst. I do not want you to come into my place of business, dude. This is a weird thing that I found in my notes. But last night while I was watching it, I wrote down in my notes that the the mom and dad, or man and woman, or whatever, mm-hmm. they're almost very like okay. If you think back to when you were a kid and you were watching. Ren and Stimpy. Uh-huh. The way that, oh like, the, like, grown men and women were portrayed on yes. that show, where they were just, like, they were very 1950s, uh-huh. and they were very over-the-top and just, like, puritanically wholesome in a lot of ways, but they yeah. were, like, fucked up and weird and gross. Uh-huh. The parents in this, if you want to call them parents, uh, right. to me were, like, weird, fucked-up, live-action Ren and Stimpy characters. Uh-huh. And also, they got kind of wacky at times, too. Oh, yes, they did. I, I mean, I like... I like some of the comedic moments. I like when he gets shot with the slingshot and it's like cartoony. Some of it's very zany. It's very zany. Like when the, the dog gets like shot down that laundry chute and there's a wolf howl like it's a fucking. Yeah. Like what is this now? <laughs> it's just like what? And the dad especially gets to act like extra, extra oh, zany. Oh, he's so over the top. Yeah. But then, I love it. But then it. again too, it's like. I think that, that that zaniness and that wackiness that they both have kind of lures you into this false sense of security where you're like, oh, this is kind of like a fucking Three Stooges movie or whatever. And then you get those moments that are just hyper fucked up, man. Whenever, like, the mom... Uh, actually, I guess there's two scenes with the mom and Alice in particular that really stood out to me. Whenever the mom, like... Is making Alice clean up the huge gore puddle. Oh god! She like throws her down, and like she gets blood all over her dress and stuff, and she's like screaming at her to clean it. And then that was very mommy dearest type of stuff. Very Carrie Mm esque to me. And and then like she like throws her in that like scalding hot tub. Yeah, that that uh, I wrote that down because that that fucked me up as a kid. Holy moly, man! What the what? Yeah, I remember as a kid just being blown away by the idea. Because, like, I knew parents could be abusive, but I, I guess it just never hit me they could be cruel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just and like, it shows it very unflinchingly. Yeah. She's like, that bath is scalding. She just throws her in there, clothes and all, and just, like, scrubbing her and stuff. Apparently, that was also their first day filming together. Oh, that was damn. their first fucking That's encounter. actually the best way to do it, though, because they haven't right? developed a good relationship yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would make it harder to do. Oh, man. I mean, that's... Those scenes were wild to me and just showed just how truly sadistic and evil yeah. that woman was. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I wrote down a couple of lines that were from the from man, and it's really just the way he says them, and I hope I can I hope I can nail this. And I, I really just <laughs> want to go with this one. Gonna find you. 
gonna kill you. <laughs> I loved that. I'm gonna kill you. I loved how he went like sing songy at first and then gonna kill you. Yeah, real severe. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, whenever she asked like what happened, he's like the damn bear trooper. Yeah, I just oh, love yeah. the way he delivers his lines. Like he he makes this what could just be a menacing character like more fleshed out. There's like it's like to him this is just life. Like he's not being mean or evil. This is the life he grew up in. Like we do hear from the um the grandfather that like his family has owned these properties forever. Like his family, like oh yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. a weird weird family. And yeah, nobody that, goes around that house right. and shit. And they're their brother and sister. I get the sense that maybe they were kidnapped too. Maybe this is how the their family has always worked. Maybe where they kidnap and decide which are the best boy and girl. Boy, that was a twist too that just came on later. That's just like, oh, what now? Yeah, this what isn't the even their now? child. They kidnap all these people. Yeah, yeah. and their incestuous mm-hmm. brother and sister, yeah. which to me really related back to like uh, blue bloods and aristocracy yes. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, th- this is all about like this is about taking conservatism to its its extreme and saying like, okay, so um, you you want to keep these people out of your country? Yeah. And then eventually you're gonna want to keep these people out of your country. And then eventually it's gonna be out of your you neighborhood and your sister and fucking your street, because yeah. you can't trust anybody outside your family. Right. Well, because and it's also a too, constant form of just lack of trust. Yeah. And your and your the, the re- retention of your wealth and possessions power. and wealth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like your your obsession with your wealth and power is such that mm. you would fuck your own sister. Yeah. Rather than. Go and share with I mean, another family. The rich have done an amazing job of convincing us all that the poor are the degenerates. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we we drink sometimes. You ever notice how the poor sometimes drink? <laughs> when they Sister, can afford let's it. go home and fuck. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this movie is like, ultimately, what struck me about it, and Kate said it, we were walking the dog after the movie, and she was like, you know, the crazy thing about this movie is, like, ultimately, the people under the stairs weren't the bad guys. No, not even close. Like, they weren't the ones doing their horrific shit no. in the movie. And I was like, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, too, that they even named the movie after them. Like, really, the movie yeah. is the people above the stairs. Yeah. That's I mean, the scary part. He starts out a little afraid of them and uh, trying to get away from them. Then he finds out that, you know, there's uh, the good one. Uh, who's had his tongue cut out? Who's played by what's his name? That guy. I don't know, but he's a McPoyle. He is a Mc. <laughs> he looks so much like a McPoyle. No, no, no he is. He's, he's on fucking Sunny. Yeah, he's Are one of sure? the he's one of the McPoyle brothers. Oh, he's not one of the two main ones. I know that for sure. Well, there's the one guy that looks like Tom York from Radiohead. Yeah, that's uh, he's on what's that uh, Westworld and stuff. Yeah, Jimmy Simpson. I'll fact check that as yeah, we go along. Yeah, let's fact check it. Because that guy that plays Roach is one of those guys that, like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, I know this guy well, he's from, in like, a ton of stuff. A hundred fucking he's things. He's in Twister. He's in the Halloween. Uh, he's in Twister? Zombie re- remake of Halloween, the sequel. Okay. He's in Three from Hell. He, he's in all sorts of stuff. The character Roach was actually written uh, as gender ambiguous. And really? Hilary Swank auditioned for it. The perfect gender can ambiguous Can you imagine actress. if Hillary wow. Swank had been Roach Yes, I can. I can, too, after seeing Buffy. It's like, this is so early in her career, it would have been fun. <laughs> I would have been pretty okay yeah. with that. <laughs> so, How funny yeah. is that? Sean Whalen, he, he, was, he is uh, 
Lion McPoyle. Oh, yeah, Leon, he's one of the L-I-O-N. like cousins. He's only been yeah. in one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he is a McPoyle. No, he totally looks like it, even if he oh, hadn't yeah. been. I would have been like, that. what a what a <laughs> he could waste. Blend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, Roach's character, he's like, I don't know, he's the one of the people under the stairs who has seemingly figured out a way to navigate and what I would say is what Roach seems to represent are, are these uh, people who come from poverty and can navigate the the rich terrain. If they remain unseen, they can make a bit of money. Like if like it's the people and make who, a difference. Yeah, maybe make a difference. Maybe change something like he he's able to maintain some sort of freedom, unlike the rest of the people upstairs and, and things like that. But he's also like the villain. That's what happens if you are rising up out of poverty. Oh, that's the one that the rich hate you the yeah, most. Yeah, the, they, you are the villain. So he's the one that constantly, constantly being hunted. Hunted. Yeah, that guy hates him. Daddy hates him so much. He wants to kill him, get him out of the walls. But get at the same time, him. he's too scared to go into his turf yes. to do it. He's too scared to go into the area because of what he knows he's created. Right. This is exactly yeah. true. Whenever you hear people say, what's going to happen when the blacks and the Mexicans take over? And it's like, well, what you're worried about is what you do. <laughs> you're worried that if you're a minority, they'll treat you the way you treat minorities. The way you treat them, right. Yes. That's very accurate. So maybe if you'd stop doing that shit, they'll the nice reprisal won't be there. Yeah. Maybe if we could all just be like, you know what? We were wrong. Racism is wrong. Let's apologize. Not even fucking hard. Like, seriously, if an entire race of people is asking you simply to apologize for slavery. Not that hard. Guys, I apologize for slavery. Sorry. I, I'm not even going to do that washing my hands. I had nothing to do with it. I'm sure I had something to do with it. I'm in some way per- continuing the perpetuation of stereotypes of, of uh, people of other races. In some way, I'm sure I'm doing that. I apologize. I know it doesn't fix anything. But at least I'm one of those who can. Right. And just say, the end. We were wrong. We'll continue to try to fix this. I I don't understand the mindset of people who just say like, well, yeah, I mean, like I created that thing and let's not go into that thing. But like, it's not my fault. Right, well, like they, the they like, could just pick themselves up by their bo- bootstraps, you yeah. know. Really, just like if you want to raise up, like raise up. I mean, like if you do, I'll shoot you. But like you know, raise up. You know. Well, here's the thing: is like ultimately, if you're one of the people, one of the rich old white people in power mm-hmm. on top of fucking everything, yeah, you would have no reason to fear minorities, yeah, if you didn't know how powerful they are. Exactly. If you really thought yes. that they were subhuman and lesser than you, then why would you take would, any efforts to oppress them? Exactly. What you would wouldn't it, need what to. What would be the use? If you're being oppressed, it's because There's they a reason. fear. Yeah, they fear you. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. Keep that in mind. Vote for Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> they fear him, for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, yeah, so... Yeah, this this whole movie seems to be really addressing the issue of fear because they lock themselves in that home and even in their home, lock the cabinets to keep the things in their home from even getting to the things that they own. Like they are so afraid they're afraid in their own home. And 
that's the life they're choosing to live. Right. Like, and, and they value than, that over their money. Right. And stuff that they're hoarding. Rather than just being a moral and ethical businessman who makes fine money, he wants to make an excess of money, hurt others, and not give a shit about what happens to the community around him. And what happens then is you develop a lot of enemy. So then you have to protect yourself. Yeah. Which just, again, further builds up that insulation, that yeah. wall around you. Yeah, and it's... I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's a real good portrayal. And, again, I'm not revealing too much about Knives Out or Ready or Not, but I was so shocked at how connected these two were, or these three were, but also how much more unflinching and raw this is willing to oh, be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing that I found is interesting about this, too, is, like, not only is it this very, you know, on-the-nose commentary on social issues and stuff... Yeah. Is it not also very much a fairy tale? Yes. If you think it has about a very fairy tale even, feel to if, it. If you just even think about it for just a second. Yeah, he's, uh, he's saving her from a tower. Like, they are basically uh, a dragon and an evil witch. Like, yeah. they're I mean, all I mean, this. Listen, it's like, if you think about it, there is a princess in a high tower yeah. that keep her in the attic. Mm-hmm. There is an evil king and queen mm-hmm. that rule the land. Yep. There is treasure. There's gold. Mm-hmm. There is a. Oh, get this one. There's a mad prince. There is the a mad prince. The dog is named Prince. That's true. <laughs> There's monsters in the basement. I worried about that dog sometimes. Some oh, we'll, of talk, scenes, we'll talk about that yeah. dog. Yeah. yeah I, I, I felt like that dog. Uh, I, I think they probably set it up so that dog didn't get hurt. But a lot of those scenes, I was like, that looked like it would hurt that the dog. That looked like it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's monsters in the basement. In a lot of ways, this is like fucking Jack and the Beanstalk, yeah. isn't it? Uh-huh. Where, like, Jack couldn't afford to pay for his family farm right. and stuff, and so he goes and travels up to the giant's lair to try yeah. to steal gold. It's also got That's the, the Robin Hood element to it, which is yeah. not a, a myth, uh, not a fairy tale, but a, a folk tale. So, yeah, it's got that. It's, it's, it's ingrained. Even, like, as I was saying before, like, Wes Craven, he's off, very often ingraining in mythology and, like, art and stuff. I think it was very Even in this, sure. he's still doing that. He's still, like, pulling from mythology and, yeah. and, and folklore and things. So... Yeah, this this movie definitely does have that. I I didn't think about that though. That's because like seriously, they escape or he escapes by jumping out a window and landing in the pond and stuff. Like that is such a fairy tale moment especially because she doesn't go. Having to come back a second time. Yeah, that's, that's something very I was fairy say. tale. Like that's yeah. something about this movie that I thought was really cool is you know, fool escapes with enough gold to cover everything that he needs to take care of his family. But he's a hero. Yeah. A fool will not, he's not going to give up just because he's got a, enough money to fix the yeah, problem. He's, he wants to fix all the problems. Yeah, his entire journey started because he's like, I need to be able to pay my family's rent and take care of my mom's cancer. He comes back, he's got the money to take care of all of it. He said till the year 2000 or something yeah. like this. But he's like, but along the way, I found this other person that is in need. I got to go back and save Alice. Yeah. Which now that's this- a cool story. It is, and this goes to his fool nature, where, like, uh, even when he skirts stepping on the edge, like, even when he's, like, skirting being too close to the sun, he can't stop himself from saving, like, from helping. Yeah. Well, let's talk, too, another fairy tale element about this that I found was that 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 house itself was almost like this labyrinthine... Uh Uh-huh castle and just yeah. this vault of horrors and unending hallways and rooms that yeah. just keep going and going like 
I thought that that was very much fantasy-like in a way, too. Yes. And I loved, I absolutely loved how the dimensions of the house, once you were in it, were so illogical. They made no sense, yeah. And yeah, it was like you never had any idea of the layout that. or the scale of it this place. It needs that. It doesn't need a logical layout. It needs that because I think I think he's going for H.H. Holmes here. He's going oh, for H.H. Holmes' murder, murder house. Yeah, Woo. which... If you don't know about H.H. H. Holmes, read up on him. Lord of mercy. May have been Jack the Ripper. There's a theory There's some at theories. least. Yeah. They, they talk about that last podcast on the left did a mm-hmm. series about H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, go they check get into some of that. <laughs> Not even a competitor. Go check out last hey, podcast. Let us help out our little friends yeah. on the last podcast. Yeah, let's on go the left. out those guys who get We're 50, trying to help thousand out. a month on Patreon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just trying to help out the little guys, yeah. you know. Maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> but H.H. H. Holmes was a serial killer uh, around the time of the World's Fair in Chicago, and he had this house built where every couple weeks he would fire the contractors working on it and oftentimes kill anyone who knew about the plans for the house yeah and basically the house was built with these like stairways that led to nowhere these doorways that opened up to walls like basically just a murder house and that's what it was for he brought people in would say like you can stay in this room and then he'd gas them essentially most most all of the rooms were rigged with gas where Mm -hmm. he could just like just fucking kill somebody and, and if you even tried to escape there's no way you would escape that you wouldn't yeah. know your way out if you could possibly even see it in the light it was there's deliberately no- hyper confusing yeah. and that seems to be the layout of this house too yeah. where it's just like you can't really get sense of what's up what's mm-hmm. down what connects to what and i know that you know some film nerds could sit here and point out like oh there's a logical things in the layout yeah. of the house i think that's what's fucking cool about it to me like yeah, i feel just as lost in that helpful. house as he it hel- is. yeah it helps us get into the the mindset or into the yeah. feel of the character yeah, yeah there's no way that you can be like oh he should just go down that hall that leads to the exit you're just as lost as he yeah. is when he's there and i like that about it very and much and also uh they they I mean, this is like a, a smart horror movie where it's like, okay, every everything you can think of, like, well, this is what I would do. He does it. Like, he yeah, tries true. every yeah. exit. He tries to call the police. Tries he, smashing a window. He does everything you would think he could do, and they have they have done everything to prevent that from happening. So it makes it even worse, though. It makes it even more, like, anxiety-inducing, because now as a horror fan, you're like, okay, okay, now what What would I do? Yeah, because <laughs> the bad guy has yeah. thought about yeah. what will they try to do to get out of here. So he's got plans. Yeah. And, and I had no plans of ever being in this situation. Right, yeah. yeah. And they've, they've rigged up all kinds of traps and stuff all over the house. There's the, like, electrified doorknob and mm-hmm. stuff that zaps them. Yeah, which they then use as a, a tool against the dog. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is, again, cool. Like, it shows that forethought of, like, this kid's smart. He's he knows very, yeah. that if I'm hanging on to Ving Rhames and this dog is hanging on to Ving Rhames, it's going to zap us all. Mm-hmm. So I'll use that to take yeah. the dog out. I I, I think uh, Poindexter, fool, he's, he's real important. I think it's important to talk about Alice as well. Yeah. Because of what she represents. And she represents the truth that is uncomfortable when you want to say, eat the rich is that there are young people involved that have nothing to do with this. Like, there are rich families, billionaires, who have children. That child didn't, any more than a poor child, did not ask to be born into this family. Yeah, and there that's, are no that's more all to they blame, know. And it's all they know. Yeah. They, they are not allowed outside of the castle because if, I mean, they might get kidnapped and then what? You'd have to pay a few million dollars ransom ah 
Like, there's just this, like, terror that's given to the children of ultra-wealthy people well, that makes it real hard and the thing to is, get out of it. Is like, it, you know, especially with us growing up, uh, like we were saying on our, our us episode last week, it's like neither of us grew up with any money at oh, all. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it makes it ultra easy, especially when you're a kid, to, to hate the rich kid. Oh, yeah. It's but, easy. But then you've got to understand, like, that rich kid doesn't know anything else. And he's exactly like you. Yeah. That rich kid, like, if you were that rich kid, you'd want the same video games and the same whatever, and your parents would be like, I have the money to provide it. Here you go. Yeah. And it's easy to be mad at it. Uh, because you know that the inequality is is a setup. It's it it's not meant to be that way. Capitalism has been manipulated to create this inequality. Yeah. So you can hate the parents, but you can't hate the kid. But then the kid's gonna grow up to be the parent. Right. Unless there's like some there's, sort of intervention. Yeah. Unless there's some sort or of intervention. Contact with the outside world. And that's what I think we need to see more. I think we need to see more. Um, because, like, I, I saw three movies that were basically about how uh, rich people suck in this week. And what I, what I saw was some capitulating or some unflinching realism. But what I never saw was uh, an opportunity for one of these kids to be redeemed. Well, that's kind of the nice thing, again, about this story is that it would have been really easy for Fool to just be like, Alice is just another fucking rich bitch. Whatever. I'll go back and blow the whole place up. Who nope. cares? He wants to save her because he knows she didn't do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. which again is like wise beyond his, his years in a lot of ways and also shows that like he knows this person can be reached. Yes. They've just grown up in this environment where they don't know any different. And that's absolutely true. That's, absolutely. That's, that's so true of all of the rich people in the world. Every single one of them when they're young can be taught like, look, this is the state of the world. Like, we are fortunate enough to have this money or I've killed the right people or I've made the right like back at woods deals or whatever. Uh, but you need to understand that these are people who need help, et cetera, et cetera. And then yes, wealth can become this awesome and wonderful thing that you can turn to help other people. I just like, I think sometimes you need to go hard one way or the other. We either need the billionaire hero kid who like like takes all of his parents' money and gives it to the poor or something, or you need to be like, no, fuck them all, kill them all. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I need something harder, and I know that it's not going to happen because the people funding it are the people with money. Like, you can't you can't get one way or the other. But I, I want it. I, I well, you want got guys like Elon Musk that are figuring out that like, oh, if I actually do good things for the world, the world will support me. Yeah, and Elon Musk, he he's a rich kid. Like he, yeah. his parents are rich, and he made it even more money uh, with his own, you know, intelligence. But though I think, I think probably twenty percent of people, given those circumstances, could do just as well or better than Elon. Okay, like he's 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 doing exactly what any good person should do with his means so we we should praise him for it but it's also like yeah but like yeah but that's what you should do this is exactly what you yeah. should do it, it, it's <laughs> a shame that that's uncommon yeah it's a shame we have to praise you yeah. for it yeah but yeah i like to see that i love to see that the, these people who come from this unreasonable amount of means and just say like i know i didn't earn this i'm gonna put it to good 
I wish they would put it to more direct good because most of them could come together and cure the largest amount of society's problems. That's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true, man. But still, whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, So with Alice, she is, she is that rich kid, but she also has had a rough fucking life. Clearly, her parents with just the abuse insanity. her. Yeah. You get the impression, too, that I guess the dad probably rapes her. Yes, which he does is, seem to. Oh, man, dude, that scene where she's like... She's supposed to be tied up in the attic, Ugh. and she's like... Well, fool gets her loose, mm-hmm. but she's still faking being tied up. And like he comes up there in his fucking gimp suit, and like Doesn't just kind of like touches, his he yeah. touches his dick for a second. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's that's enough to where you go, oh god, yeah. Ugh. But that's genius Wes Craven stuff right there too. Whereas I and I know uh, I'm not dissing Rob Zombie. I'm saying Rob Zombie would have showed him like all up on her, yeah, like licking her and stuff. Kid, and yeah. that is also another thing that happens. So Rob Zombie's showing it would be at least somewhat realistic. But Wes Craven's able to give us the same feeling with just a crotch grab. Yeah. Like he touches just, his dick and you're like, oh, is, it's just a grown man in a gimp suit touching his crotch yeah, nothing, at his daughter. Nothing too overt. Very subtle. <laughs> Very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, her life has been it's absolute been garbage. Yeah, and, and so... But you know what? She's had the people under the stairs and her communication with Roach to inform her about yeah. how the other half lives a little That's bit. That's what we see a lot with these, like, uh, whenever it's like a rich family. Say, like, if you're watching Downton Abbey, uh, you'll find that there's, all like, any sort of upsta- upstairs, downstairs British drama like that, there's always the one person upstairs who falls in love with the person downstairs, and it's like, they really get me and then like there's this connection between the servants and them and they have to die that's just how it happens because there can't be this beautiful connection between the nobility and the poor what never yeah uh in in this case she is she's she's like she's like their benevolent princess like if these are the evil king and queen She's this benevolent princess in the tower who, Willing if to she were to take over, if yeah. she were to have all the money and be the one making the choices, she would do kind and good things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I almost think, and tell me if this might be stretching here, it almost seems intentional that the people under the stairs remain unseen for almost the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is an upstairs-downstairs sort of thing. Like, that's yeah. what they're getting at, is the these are the servants, the and servant I, class. I love, too, that they wait so long to reveal them. Because, mm-hmm. like, for most all of the movie, like, that first time that, you know, we see her up in a room and she's, like, dropped that fork on the floor or whatever. Yeah, and, and the hand just this, comes like, out. Yeah, this, like, yeah. pale, long fingernailed hand that reaches out and you're like, what the fuck was that now? But we also, we're, we already know that the parents are bad and we seem to think she's okay and she's cool with them. So it's, like, a real weird moment where you're like, that's gross, but also she's their friend. Yeah, like, so, so what's happening? O- are they okay then? Yeah. It's, Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I a like real how, like the movie twists you around and like pulls you in different directions. Yeah, it's well, fun. and actually, there's a lot of kind of moral ambiguities in this movie in a lot of ways For too. Sure. Because at at the end of the day, ultimately, fool and his dudes were gonna break into this house and rob them. Yes, they were, that and that, is true. that's again kind of a, a, a situational morality. It is. I mean, they were robbing them specifically because these are the landlords that are gonna kick him out yeah they don't give a shit so it's like fuck them and and these people they do like if if they had gotten to the home and found out that the people were actually just good people and they wanted to turn it into a children's hospital or something 
and they were still like, fuck them, rob them, then they'd be the villains. But they get there and find out, oh no, they're demented It's real fucks. bad. It's even worse than yeah. we thought. So let's take their money. <laughs> even the heroes of the movie are thieves in a sense. That's true. Yeah. The villains are these crazy fucked up Ugh. people. And then you got the people under the stairs who are cannibals. Yeah. But it's because... They've been They're forced just to be given the scraps. Yeah, they've been forced to be cannibals. And they, that's that's again, that's a really cool thing too that I didn't think about that Kate noticed in the movie is like, okay, that very first shot whenever we're introduced to mom and dad. Uh huh. Which P.S. If you're a grown up, and you call your wife mother, please, please fucking don't. Please just fucking. What are don't. you, Mike Pence? Dude, if you're a woman, please don't call your husband dad. It's oh, that's fucking just gross. demented, dude. That's just gross. It really it weirds everybody out. It mm-hmm. makes everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just please don't. <laughs> At least in names. front of people. <laughs> but anyway, so like that first scene where we're introduced to them, and I love it's just in the most opulent rich people shot ever. He's like mm-hmm. feasting by the fireside, mm-hmm. chewing all disgustingly and stuff. But and the- he's eating that like rack of of like ribs. Yeah. He's like eating like oh these disgusting meat chops and stuff, uh-huh. and he keeps like spitting out buckshot. Yeah, and that's that's like where you meet like their level of wealth. Yeah, they are white trash wealthy. Like they are like because you know these people from Jefferson County. There were the people who had money but were white fucking trash. Totally, absolute no class, no idea of higher and better things. Oh, just and, and the the people in this, their house is just in ruins. Man. Oh yeah, it's not they like don't a take mansion. care of that shit. No, it's fucking deplorable man uh-huh. it's disgusting which reminded me of uh, uh house of the seven gables which is a a nathaniel hawthorne uh novel well worth reading very funny but it, it is about this like family who lives oh. in this mansion that's come to ruins after years of wealth and like some some of that is in here i i think west craven definitely knows his literature so I, I think a bit of that is in here sure sure but yeah th- it really is it's decrepit it's dilapidated it look like their wealth means nothing on the outside. Oh, yeah. They don't dress well. They're not. Uh, I mean, yeah, they dress like forty years behind. Not the that times. they're unattractive, but they're particularly trying to make their faces unattractive and and be like scowling all yeah. the time and stuff. Well, the reason that he's eating those ribs and pulling that buckshot out of it is because that that's people. He's eating people. Oh that's fuck! I shot. didn't even think about that. I didn't either. Kate that was somebody who tried to escape. Out. Yeah, that's why there's buckshot in him because he shoots him with a shotgun. I know. I, I didn't, didn't think even about that either. Think about them being cannibals. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Right. Yeah. Because they Ooh. never leave the house. He's not going out hunting. No. Yeah. Where would he go hunting in Southern California? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jesus, I, I didn't even think. I didn't either, man. She pointed that out, and I was like, "Oh fuck." Whoa, that's Ugh. cool. That's, yeah, that makes that's, it that makes it really really, really cool fucked too. up. Yeah. And then later on too, we see that scene where he's like carving up Ving Rhames. Uh, I think it's Ving Rhames, or is he yeah. carving up Ving Rhames? The other dude. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he's, like, obviously been eating some of it and then throwing the scraps at the yeah. people under the stairs. Uh-huh. And then, like, later on, the torso ends up in that other pile of other torsos in guest starring the disgusting pit from Phenomena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love the part where Roach he pretends that it's a zombie to oh scare them God. off. Like, because it's so dark. It's macabre as fuck. It's like he's like... And then he's like... <laughs> like he's like laughing about it. And it's like, that's the guy I came here with who Ugh. I just saw get meat cut off of him. But yeah, good joke. 
<laughs> Dude, whenever the gore moments like that strike, like there's not really that much gore in this. Like even whenever no. people get shot and stuff, it's not really all that yeah, bloody. Yeah, I think they smartly use their six million dollars. Keep it in the dark, barely yeah. show it. But like, then, dude, like those moments where you see, like I said, that like decimated torso yeah and that's Reigns. clear that's a long shot sort of of him yeah. just up like that yeah. and because it's like a 90s horror movie it's all very like brightly lit and uh-huh. stuff like it's not leaving anything to the imagination nope, you see it and you just see those like corpse parts down in that pit it's pretty brutal oh, yeah it's fucking disgusting out of nowhere man. too and one of the things I wanted to talk about in this movie, one of the pivotal characters is, is as I said, the, the mad prince of this fairy tale uh-huh. saga, uh, the Prince the Rottweiler. Uh-huh. Dude, Hollywood, just listen. Hollywood, y'all gotta quit demonizing animals. Seriously, because, yeah, it makes people afraid of those types of dogs. And I mean, if you just want to talk about the, uh, the amount of like environmental damage that Jaws did and making people yeah, hate sharks. Yeah, so many sharks. And then in terms of like the dog world, like just even within our lifetimes, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, it was like, don't trust Dobermans. Yeah. Don't trust uh, pit bulls. Pit bulls. Yeah. I don't, grew up don't with trust pit German bulls. shepherds. German shepherds were oh, a yeah, blacklist yeah. dog uh-huh. for a while too. And I also Rottweilers. Like I remember chow specifically. Chows as well. Oh, chows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I remember specifically like, you know, uh, being in the car at the post office or whatever. Hmm. And somebody would pull up next to us that had a Rottweiler in the bed of their truck. And mom would be like, oh, you stay in the car. Those dogs are mean. Uh-huh. And it's just because specific breeds get demonized in yeah. movies and shit. And then people and buy them and the make hook. them mean. Or uh, that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. That there's happens that. to pit bulls, unfortunately. Pit bulls sh- are so sweet. Oh, they're the best, yeah. man. There's only shitty dog owners. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Or any And there's a lot owners. of them. I'm constantly surprised by that. Like... Here what, shitty dog in owners? the south, shitty dog oh, owners, fuck, people yeah, who man. just leave their dogs outside constantly Boy, I wonder why it's on mean. a chain. Yeah, really. Just like never even go to pet it or anything. Like, oh, I hate it. How man. do you do that? I can't. How, I can't that's stand just it. cruel. But I, I hate too that. Like I said, this is just another example of of Roddy's being demonized know, when they're they're, they're, pops, big, they're big cuddly things. Mm-hmm. German Although, shepherds are too. I mean, fuck yeah, I mean, man. Uh, it's the most yeah. loyal family dog in the world, man. It's uh, Kate's. Yeah, Luke, Luke man. yeah, he was a sweet dude. He was the king of beasts yeah. right there. It was an uh, amazing. My dog. friend Paul had a German Shepherd. I remember it. People were afraid of him all the time, too. Yep. And he was just a sweet little dude. Yeah, they yeah. just get these bad raps in movies, and that, that really sucks. That makes people distrust does suck, their entire yeah. breed because of something that was in a fake story. Yeah. These aren't real. <laughs> did, you, did you guys hear? Cujo, right? Cujo. Yeah, can't trust St. Bernard's. Mm-mm. Come on, St. man. St. Bernard's are known for being scared. Hyper aggressive. Yeah. Although I will say, okay, for real though, if a vicious Rottweiler did grab onto your arm, oh, you're like fucked. it does with like Fool and, yeah, they're and strong uh, as shit. Uh, Ving Rhames in this, yeah, your arm would be torn off. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the violence of the dog was kind of underplayed in this, honestly. It really was. It was more comical in this than it should have been. Cause like when yeah. he was like trying, like trying to get in the door and like, bending the door i was like that dog is so strong that when he had a hold of his arm he could have fucking ripped his arm off. that's why they're dangerous is because they're just naturally so fucking strong yeah and that's what they were bred for yeah exactly they They were bred to do that yeah so whenever people get them and mistreat them and make them fucking mean they're also armed to the teeth same with pit bulls and stuff they're just naturally so strong Uh you know yeah so it's a shame but the dog acting in this was He's really great. great. It's like, I think yeah. four different dogs. I yeah, believe, there are a few Prince. different dogs, and there's also like a prosthetic dog head a oh, few yeah? times. Yeah, for it sure. It never looked fake, though. No, it doesn't. Yeah, because they, they do a good quick like cuts to it 
where it'll ju you'll just see kind of drool falling, so you're not paying attention to the fact the eyes aren't moving or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, even the scenes where after he gets accidentally bayoneted mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah, it's still live dog. Yeah, and you it, see him like yeah, he kind of fades that, away and falls. Like and when stuff. he comes Sad. through that door, I was like, I, I hope. Like there were a few times I was worried he got hurt. Yeah, same. but I assume not. But then again, that also shows you too. It's like whenever the dog gets hurt, the owners, mom and dad, are just like yes, super upset about it. They're, They're yeah. more upset about a dog dying. And than these people that live in these apartment buildings that they own. You shit. see that a lot too. You see that with Fuck people yeah. who are like, it's like just people you know are. Although vile or reprehensible, but then they have this this dog they treat like a king. And although, admittedly, dogs are better than most people. Oh yeah, that's so true. that's not entirely. Yeah, unfounded. it's not hard to like dogs better than people. That yeah. is true. Yeah. So there is that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, that that's absolutely true. And and honestly, I would I'd love to find out that people who are like vile and and really just hateful toward the rest of uh, humanity that it's really just that. That they, they have trouble t trusting people, and yeah. that maybe we could like fix the problem. I don't think that's the issue. I don't think so. I don't think that a lot of these people are in fact redeemable, and and these people are the the absolute like personification of irredeemable and disgusting. Like we we're pre presented with very obvious villains. And so the end has to be they die, right? Like, I suppose so. There's in, no in other a, ending. In a very convenient explosion yeah. <laughs> that blows the entire house up. But doesn't hurt anybody who's just like five feet away from it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, could you not have like run out of the way yeah. or something? Just like, it's going to blow. Run away. That's all you needed. <laughs> yeah. But no, instead it's like the entire mansion blows up. It rains money down on everybody. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the people under the stairs get loose. Uh-huh. Which is scary. A little bit. Okay, that's kind of the thing about yeah. this, right? It's like, they're free. It's like, this might not be good. Yeah. <laughs> One of them has green skin, and his name is Stairmaster. Stairmaster. He just likes to exercise, man. Yeah. He went on to form and uh, create the Stairmaster. Oh, we'll see. Fitness guru. It was worth it. Yeah. The rest ate people. <laughs> they're on a keto diet. They're just on the keto diet, man. That's all they're doing. You know there was somebody down there who was like, hey, guys, I know this sucks and all, but... I've lost 40 pounds. So. I mean, there weren't any fat people under the stairs. I'm just saying. You are looking good, dude. You are looking good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I found one thing kind of unsettling where, like, Fool is talking to me. He's like, there's all kinds of stuff up there. There's there's the sun and the air and there's women up there and mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if you should be encouraging these guys to go after women after yeah, they've been locked I in the stairs. I feel like or, it's going to be less of, hey, let's badly. have sex and more of, oh. <laughs> it might be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it might be really, really bad. Yeah. yeah, so they're just kind of uh just kind of let loose on the world yeah. after that, I guess. That is a, I mean, and that's see that's that's an interesting thing we're always constantly having to deal with is how do you deal with the fallout of the terrible things that people have done to other Ugh. people? Dude, it's like whenever you hear about um these situations where you find out somebody has locked their kids uh -huh. or whatever like in a basement like yeah. walled them off like there's that story that happened about six or seven years ago i think it was in cincinnati oh yeah yeah the in ohio the guy who Holy had three women shit, in his man. basement yes. yeah yeah mm -hmm. and he'd been like you know raping them and they had kids and all this yep. stuff and it's like wow cool they found this guy out and busted him and he's in jail now and then you're like 
That fixes how nothing. How do you? That how do you fix all these it does people? is stop future crimes. Like, how do we fix what happened? And you can't. Yeah, the human damage that it, it yeah. occurs in situations like that. It's like, how yeah. the fuck do you even begin to fix that? I mean, I think that there were situations where, like, some of the kids had been born underground there in Ohio. I think, and I think maybe you're conflating uh, the one from Germany. and I don't know if they Germany. had kids in the one in Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're correct. The I one think in I'm Germany, it was together. the dad who kept his daughter, in the, which That's is what, what I was room thinking is of. based off of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I was thinking about that involving. Yeah. Yes, you're, you're exactly But again, right. that's even sadder. There are two situations. It sucks that, that I'm confusing multiple ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the bad news. Yeah. Yeah, but then you're right. It's just like, what do you do with the human damage that has occurred because of that? Mm. I, and, and how can you hold those people responsible ever? They didn't, they didn't ask for that to happen to them. They didn't ask for the trauma it caused, and they didn't ask for the fallout of that trauma. Ugh. So, like, how do you ever hold them responsible for it? How do you ever situation. say, like, well, yeah, but, like, you need to pick yourself up by... I keep saying pick yourself up by your bootstraps because it's the <laughs> it's dumbest the goddamn saying in the world. <laughs> like, that's... Like, you, you really need to, like, get over it. Like, th- like, there's always some idiot who's not gone through anything who's like, I just don't it's understand why it's so it. hard to get over things. Like, Right. I... I mean, the Eagles said you can get over it. That's true. So it's pretty easy. Don Henley told me. <laughs> I like I. There's just so much damn. Like that. That's why you know, say like the Scandinavian countries seem to have a better method of dealing with crime, where like their criminals aren't treated as as though they need to be punished. The punishment is being in jail. In jail, no one has to go out of their way to make your life worse. So they have okay room. They have libraries. They have books in their room. Like they can actually learn and progress. And they're not being charged $50 to call their family. And it's just like this. The idea is to reintegrate back into society. And the same for the other side of helping the victims, getting them psychological care, helping them through this. This country doesn't care about those things for some reason. Mm. And I'd say that again, that reason is the people above the stairs who don't want to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to pay for the damage that they've caused. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I destroyed the environment, but like, that's like your problem to deal with now. Not mine. I have my money. (laughs) Yeah. I got what I wanted out of this. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, were Stairmaster and the other people under the stairs, were they the biological children of mom and dad, no, or no, were no, they he, kidnapped? Um, it says, yeah, they can't have biological kids of their own. They were kidnapped. A lot of them... Okay, uh, I thought so. Some of them were kidnapped, and some of them were just people who came to the door, like delivery people and service oh, yeah. people and stuff like that. So some of the people were attempts at giving her a brother, like Roach. They were trying to like make a brother for her, like, you know, so they have a mother father to take over in the future uh but then yeah some of them were just people who happened to the house and were a nuisance jesus yeah it's just scary to even be near their house (laughs) wow yeah yeah i like too that this movie deals with like not only is there the horrors of what it's like to be a person that like i said lives in this urban decay setting and stuff that is a victim of the the greed of these super wealthy people yeah but it also just kind of shows you too, like, imagine what it's like being raised by these people. Jesus. You know what I mean? It kind of shows like all sides of the issue 
I think. I think it does. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that a lot of these times when you're trying to show like, oh, look how like uh, out of touch or whatever rich people are, you do forget to show like, you know, the the toll of what they're doing is more hurtful to the people around them than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 hurting the people closest to them the most. So these parents, like, I mean, they're so fucked up. They're like they, they, horror icons, and that's in my true. Book, they man. really are. Like I I can't think of a more fucked up, like seemingly innocent, like a couple who could easily maybe out in the world pretend to be a normal couple. I can't think of another in a horror movie that fits that. What's with the fucking gimp suit out of nowhere? Again, that's a left turn that this took where it's just like, that oh, has, we're here now. I think that, that that is a that's his way of saying, like, look at the results of sexual repression. This is all about the 80s oh, conservatism okay. and 80s conservatism was all about. Actually, I should talk about see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Because yeah, that, that all connects in the movie. It's, yeah, it's a big thing. And like this has like meaning in like Shinto and and Buddhist like thought but it has come to mean in more western societies the idea of looking the other way when bad things are happening the idea in you know the like Shinto Buddhist thought is that like you should neither like see things as particularly evil uh, think of the things you hear as particularly evil and speak anything that could be considered evil. Like what you're doing is trying to see the world as pure and mm-hmm. trying to attribute uh, positivity. Cur- yes. Uh, it's come to mean more in Western society, this idea of like, okay, like I, I don't see what's happening, so it's fine. Like okay, whatever. Gotcha. And that's what it means in this for sure. Is it definitely that, seems that way. Yeah. It, it, is that, uh, Woman definitely knows that man is molesting their daughter. She never says a word about it. Yeah, she's looking the yeah. other way. Yeah. Man definitely knows that woman is abusing their their daughter. Like They never say anything. They don't care. She never says anything about what's going on because as she says, that's how she survived by see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. She just lets everything happen to her. Um, I, I think that this is really getting at the, uh, sp- specifically from the 80s with conservatism the just this idea that yeah we know that corporate greed is uh you know causing deaths internationally and causing birth defects and all these other things environmental we get damage all that but if we pretend it's not happening and pretend we're being helpful, which is what companies have adopted now is just the base state is, no, we're helping you. Yeah. Look, 3M helped you by pouring all these chemicals into your water. Yeah. You can trust BP. You can trust. Yeah. It's all about that. Like they, they've, um, they've adopted this sort of like, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Sure. If we pretend we're positive, that makes us positive. So this this whole thing is really just about that. I, I in a way it's Wes Craven saying fuck your like your fake morality. Your fake morality yeah. that is is just infected with greed and hate for humanity. Like it, it's not real. It's not true and you're bad people. <laughs> and it's Great for a guy in the middle of his career who has worked with these people to say that. 
Oh yeah, it's a the pretty lowest huge middle possible finger. budget they could give him. No doubt. And he's just like, fuck y'all. And here's fuck you. Yeah, Actually, now kidding. that explains what happened in his career there for a bit. Probably. Well, I mean, we saw it happen with Carpenter after he did They yeah, Live. After They Live, he he had a struggle. Yeah. yeah kind of got blacklisted mm-hmm. a little bit after that. And yeah, this this and They Live have similar messages. Oh and, yeah, and it's, so. uh We're talking about seven years apart. LA hasn't changed. Like, well, you were saying too. You thought that a lot of this maybe had to do with some of the current right. event turmoil. Yeah, yeah and, we, and there's a many current events that are portrayed in the movie. They are kind of true. trying to remind you. It's like, yeah, yeah they this remind is you during Desert Storm. Desert Storm. They remind you, actually, remind you specifically. I'll talk about Desert Storm before I get to those other things. Specifically, of how we were during Desert Storm. I glued our TVs. Is, we were glued to our TVs yeah. watching the war. We can't go out. What if something happens? Yeah, what if they come here? What if they come here? And Even like, though we're seeing on television just boom, boom, just boom. blowing the that shit out of them. That is all of them getting destroyed right now. They're not coming here, but everybody was glued to their television. Oh, yeah. Huddled. No, I remember like like being awake mm-hmm. at like, you know, six in the morning mm-hmm. watching the news coverage of these like, you know, green night yep. vision mm-hmm. things where you'd see like all these bodies, then an explosion. There's no more bodies. And it's like, you're yeah. watching live murder on TV. Yeah, they, they sold that uh And just because it's, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's under the, the, the visage of, oh, we're at war. Yeah. You're still watching live murder on TV. Yeah, they, That's pretty fucked up. We saw they, that all the time when we were kids, man. They packaged and sold that war so much. That's why people were so gung-ho for after 9-11. Yeah, totally. Uh, do you yeah, remember- we've been conditioned to, to just understand our whole lives that we're fighting in the middle fucking east. Yeah, that's how it worked. Do you remember Desert Storm trading cards? No. Oh, okay. Trading cards. Yep. Because this was at the time <laughs> that baseball and football cards were like popular. Oh yeah, totally. Everybody's trading. Uh, I had yeah, comic there were Desert cards, Storm personally. trading cards. I had a General Norman Schwarzkopf. So. Oh, you the don't bear. Say. I know his nickname. <laughs> trading. Cards. I shouldn't know a general from the '90s name at all, but I know his nickname. What are those for? If not just to indoctrinate kids into being that like, was it to indoctrinate kids. Yes, they said kids like those things. We need to indoctrinate them for future wars in the Middle East because we're gonna have them. It's just gonna keep happening. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. America, a crazy place. Yeah. America, America, <laughs> this is you. Oh, yeah. Little uh, America's AFHV home right yeah. there, huh? Uh, <laughs> So yeah, this this was out of time when, of course, uh, this is a, a year before. They were probably filming around uh, March and April. This is about a year before April 29th, ninth, nineteen ninety two, when there were riots. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, and there were riots in L.A. He didn't know about it. He was on the other side. Gotcha. So, what happened in ninety one in March? One thing that everybody definitely knows about is the Rodney King beating. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want, you to go back. I want you to go back and look at that and uh, question uh, why. Question why it is when it happens again, we're ever shocked. Because mm-hmm. nothing happened to those cops. And they beat no. a man for 12 minutes for being drunk. And then claimed he was on PCP and then buried the evidence that he wasn't on PCP. He didn't do anything. But no. I still know white people that'll tell you, well, he was a crackhead. That's I don't know where stuck. you get that. Yeah, that's what stuck in our minds yeah. right there. I don't yeah. know where you got that the from. The fake evidence. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. And there's also that, um, 
What's the deal the with... The more important one, uh, yeah, I think around this time is the, the, the young girl who was shot yeah. by a Korean shop owner who I had claimed totally, she was trying to steal from a store. I had totally forgotten about mm-hmm. this until you brought it back up, and I was like, holy shit, I totally remember hearing about that. Yeah, this is, this is one of the more sad things that... Uh, happened around that time and that is, that is the death of latasha harlan's on march 16th of 1991 she was shopping in a store owned by a korean shop owner who accused her of stealing uh and they started wrestling she punched him in the face and went to run and he shot her in the back of the head uh he got a 500 dollars fine jesus that was it but she w- she was definitely trying to rob the place she had money in her hand when they found her dead body. Well, that's not good. Clutched in her hand. She was going to pay for the thing. So you're saying that kind of the, the racial injustice, mm-hmm. inequality, uh, police turning a blind eye mm-hmm. towards situations, you think that was very much embedded in this movie? Yes. This is very much <laughs> Again, what... Yeah. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> the, that whole situation is crazy. I mean, if you know... Like, people don't know shit about the the riots all they know is what they were sold on cnn in the 90s and that what they were sold was look at all these hoodlums right going wild and crazy they're just destroying their own stuff why well you know why it's because if they went and destroyed a white person's stuff the army would be on yeah totally be killed the armed forces were already brought in to koreatown koreatown which they decided not to fortify they fortified beverly hills in west hollywood Surrounded them with cops and armored vehicles and all mm. these things, but they didn't surround Koreatown. So guess what happened to all those Korean businesses? They got destroyed. And that also pushed an already tense situation between Koreans and blacks because of a Korean store shop owner killing a young black girl the year before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was already tension. Then an event happened, and then they basically just made Koreatown the ring. They were like, here, fight there. Yeah, duke it out here, yeah. kid. Like, it, it's it's a place that was a war zone for a full week <laughs> and I think, in the 90s. I think, too, speaking of war zones, I mean, even that, that bit in the movie where Bull is down in the basement, and he, he hears that TV and he turns it around and it's just showing like yeah. the Baghdad footage. Yeah, the, and, and then there's a person who turns, turns the TV it back, back around. Just yeah. watching it through that vent. Yeah, yeah. And, and that I think was very intentional. I think that that's yeah. very much showing that like these people that are on top, the elite, the people that have all the money that make all the decisions for us really, yeah. will just basically put a TV in front of us and show us, quote, yes. winning and fighting a war Look just how to keep good everybody... We're doing- placated yeah. it's, you know? like, it's like when people are like hey the economy's doing so good look at the stock market and it's like do What's you it done own, for you fucker? do you own any stock yeah so the economy's not going good for you at all right no what's it done for you why are you why are you so happy that rich people <laughs> it's like man i was Guess on, what? I was on that rich man's team i'm on his team he's probably gonna <laughs> look at me and go you did good no he won't Nope. Guess what? I just heard great news. Rich people's getting richer. It's good, y'all. Because wow. maybe one day I can do that. Well, nope. no. <laughs> They've set up every system to make sure that never happens for you and to make sure that you keep thinking it's gonna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's how it is, man. Yeah, I don't think it's any stretch to say that this is definitely wrapped up in the current events yeah. of the time. Yeah, and, and 90, 90s LA was just corrupt as shit, too. Because oh, yeah. like, it was coming off the 80s cocaine period. 
you look back at LA in the 90s, you could see where the deep racial tensions are being played out in this oftentimes just silly movie. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's kind of the perfect place to play it out, too. It's kind of the perfect way to do it, to just try to like defang it for a second so people can see it as it is. True. Just be like, look, this is the real situation. Here's some jokes to make you feel better about it. It's it's all it's like it, it really is just like a spoonful of sugar to help this like real bitter pill go down. And again, I just would never have guessed to get that out of a Craven movie. Like if yeah. you would have told me John Carpenter, you yeah, know, helped him write totally this. I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, but this but, yeah. is a real surprise to me, and mm-hmm. I felt like there were. I feel like there were some Clive Barker influences in here. I mean, obviously, you see a guy in an S and M bondage suit in a nineties movie. It's like you kind of think Clive Barker, but also again, just some of the unflinching gore and just corpse parts. And I mean, the dog is like eating a fucking severed human Uh hand and shit. You know that raw fed diet? Hell yeah! You know, just like just like your own pup, just like Zora, Uh just like Zora. Yeah, I felt like there's some Barker influences in here. Although uh, Kate was pointing out, it's like minus the like hypersexual overtones. There's a complete lack of sexuality, even an asexual feeling. And then when sexuality comes in, it's it's very like disgusting, and it's just I'm gonna rape my uh, fucking kidnapped daughter, supposed daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but but I think there's like definitely a Barker influence in here mm-hmm. and definitely like so kind of the Candyman influence and stuff yeah, as well for sure yeah I, I think this fits well into the horror of the time Candyman came out in 92 Barker really had his big time late 80s early 90s like that was when everybody was wanting to adapt his stuff so yeah Wes Craven just really tapped into the the right pulse at the right moment got his money but I, I just wish it had like I wish that people would recognize this as as one of his better movies. Well, because apparently, it is, I think. like before the time of his dying a couple of years ago, he was working on developing a People Under the Stairs series. Yeah, for sci-fi. Which I I'm not really sure how you could serialize. I don't know this. how that would work. It would probably be an anthology or something. Or, or I mean, maybe it's just like a one season, yeah. eight hour long movie. Yeah, essentially. maybe. Like that, I guess I could kind of get. But even at that, like I don't really know how yeah, much of this, this story is, there is to tell. This is a pretty simple allegory that doesn't need tons expansion. Of, yeah, yeah, expansion exposition. So I don't really know if that is something that would yeah, work. Yeah, I wonder what se. he was thinking of. I mean, I'd like I would to know. Be interested? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's a cool flick. Soundtrack in this is really effective too. Like not necessarily hyper memorable. Like I don't think that I'll be you know showing people how to play the theme from People Under the Stairs on my YouTube channel this year or anything like that. <laughs> but I found it all to be very effective. There's a lot of like classic horror yeah. like string sections that are all discordant and mm-hmm. out of tune and stuff with each other. Yeah. Just kind of classic stuff. But it all suited it very well. And then like at the very end, we get some good early '90s. <laughs> rap yes do the right thing is just song. what you need yeah i i really like that how many like early 90s songs ended with a rap song that was just so vaguely dude, rap. so many like 80s horror movies are just covered yeah. in that stuff dude <laughs> nightmare on my street <laughs> but that one wasn't in wasn't right? in it yeah we that's talked right. about that that's right what a weird thing where where will smith writes a song for nightmare on elm street but they don't want don't it. use it what, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, soundtrack in this I thought was effective. Like I said, there's not really a lot of gore and stuff, but everything that was there was was very well done and mm-hmm. obviously obviously practical as this is the early nineties. Yeah. And I can't really think of any performances in here that I thought were that I thought were weak. I mean, yeah. you could say that the tone is kind of all over the place. It is. It's a bit 
it's a bit jarring from time to time. I guess so, mm-hmm. but I kind of like it. Yeah, I think it's it's meant to be. It's meant to yeah. bring you into a certain moment where you're just like, whoa, that was weird. Oh, okay. It's kind of that was weird. It's oh, kind of okay. odd because like at times you sort of feel like this is a horror movie for kids. Yeah. Because the kid's the main character. A lot of times whenever the bad guys get beat up, it's kind mm. of zany and home alone Yeah, it has Goonies qualities as well. Yeah. yeah, a definite Goonies kind of vibe to it as well. Uh, but it's definitely not for kids. No. At all. No. I don't think anything with an S&M suit is usually for kids. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm trying to think hard about anything that could maybe contradict that, but I don't think... No. Kids like Judas Priest. They do. They do. They love that Rob Halford. Yeah. In his, in his riding crop. Wob, they say. Wob Halford. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about the closest I can get. Yeah. <laughs> Cool flick, man. You got any final thoughts about this thing and a rating uh, no, on a slap I, on it? Yeah, again, like as I said, I'm just surprised that this doesn't have more of an audience now because I think it's real relevant now. Oh, and way, maybe, yeah, way more relevant now. Maybe, you know, uh, people hear this episode of the podcast and be like, we start a revolution. Let's do that. But for me, this is this is just like a, a real um, out of character Wes Craven movie and I like it. I yeah. like him going Still out of character. Still feels like this. a Wes Craven movie. Oh yeah, movie. he never leaves behind his obvious like trademark sort of shots and looks and and feel to the whole thing, but it also is it's it's going in a different direction for him and I like it. I think he did a good job. Me too. I like everybody involved with this. The, the kid is so good. Great. Such a great actor. And then yeah, Ving Rhames, what are you going to do? Like the man is one of the most awesome voices yeah. ever. You Love put Ving Rhames in talk. something, it improves it. That's yeah, yeah. just the case. He's going to become the secretary of pussy. He is. <laughs> in his own words. And Everett McGill, I think, it's just a crime that that guy doesn't For have real. more credits on For his IMDb. fucking real, man. he did so good in this. He's so good in every other thing I've seen him in. Just Let me ask you if this is a stretch. Yeah. If they ever remade this movie, uh-huh. if they made this today, I'd want to see that role played by Michael Shannon. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because this guy yeah. kind of has a Michael Shannon quality actually, about there's him, a actually. movie called, I think it's called The Fall, maybe, or Just Fall, but it has Michael Shannon, and it has some qualities like this that, yes, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be perfect. Yeah, right? Michael Shannon is perfect. For yeah, this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he does an amazing job, and so does mm. Mom. Yeah. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Um, so the, the, everybody involved in this is awesome. I really enjoyed it. I, I like Wes Craven going out on a limb and succeeding. I like I'd like to see more social commentary movies by him, yeah, considering sure. how well he did it. Yeah. I'm probably not going to see those, though. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I'm glad it made money. I, I hope people will, you know, go out of your way to see this and, and recommend it to people if, if you also like it, because it's one I think people need to see. I For me, this is, I don't know, like, oof. I, I like a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half, say, yeah. Like That's a, actually exactly where I was going to put okay, it to, Steve. Okay, good, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, I love, I love the metaphor. I love the message. There's some great mm. visuals and stuff in here. It also doesn't wear out its welcome. It's no, less than an hour sure. 40. It's like an hour 38 or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's, like, very watchable. Good balance of humor and really fucked up stuff in here. I don't see it being one I'm gonna like rewatch every yeah, year. Yeah, it's a, it's not a entertaining watch. 
most of the time because it is so brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But it is so refreshing to me to still be finding these, like, just these little, you know, overlooked gems mm-hmm. of, like, 80s and 90s horror. Because yeah. this is still very much in, like, the, you know, the golden age, uh-huh. so to speak, of our lifetimes of horror, yeah. that classic 80s, early 90s stuff. Uh-huh. And it's cool for me to still find movies every now and then. I'm like, I can't believe I passed this by. Yeah. I can't believe that I've gone all this time and not seen this movie because this is fucking cool. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it was a fun experience for me just to see Wes Craven branching out and doing something different and also, like I said, get another little old school nugget of something that I'd never seen before. So yeah, totally, totally great, man. Really enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, Steve, next week on the show, we're going to be doing a little Patreon pick Uh that we just drew a second ago before we started making this episode. But before we tell them what it is... How can they support us on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. You can become a $5 Patreon patron Mm -hmm. and you can submit a movie for our monthly Patreon drawings where we pick one of the titles you've submitted and we cover it on the show. Yeah, doggone right. That's a great way to support the show too. And another great way you can support us is by going on iTunes and rating and reviewing. It just takes a second. It takes us hours to make this show and drink these cold beers. But it just takes you a second to go on there and rate and review on iTunes. The hours drinking cold beers are the hard ones. Oh, it's tough. Oh, it's tough, Steve. (laughs) Uh, But go on there, and whenever you make your review for the show, be sure to put it up with a question that you guys would like to hear answered on a later episode of the show. We started doing this thing where every time you put in a review, you can put a question about anything you want to hear us answer on the show. Be sure it's G-rated or else they won't post it on iTunes. Uh, so no profanity. Nothing yeah, like don't that say like, how's that dick? Say, how's that schlong or something? Exactly. Yeah. Use the cool slang. Yeah. And post that up on there with your question, and we'll answer that on a later FAQ during the Preview Palace on another episode of oh, yeah. the show. Follow us on Instagram, social media. At Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We uh, are also on Discord. We've posted that several places. We have a YouTube channel, forward slash dead and lovely. Uh, we also have, uh, what else? Uh, email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com yeah tracks down like a bloodhound hell yeah and you guys be sure to tune in to next week's show we're going to be talking about one that i'm very excited about we're going to be talking about it fallers it fallers it sure does faller hell that thing won't leave you alone get away go on get go on get quit following me <laughs> get out of here no you nobody i love you it always goes back to John Lithgow. That would have done it. What if nobody even tries and it follows to be like, nobody likes you. Go away. Go away. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. If that thing would have followed, yeah, Jimmy Stewart or John Lithgow, <laughs> or John Lithgow they'd have got yeah. rid of it for sure. So you guys be sure to tune in for that one. That's going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, I think it's only the second time I've watched that movie, but I really like it a lot. So I look forward to talking about it. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys have been fantastic. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we are dead and lovely, and we'll be seeing you guys next week. Hey, Ben, what you know about dick gains? Dick gains? You trying to get some mad gains on that dick, bro? Listen, all right. So this is a secret that uh, people who have been close to or more than 300 pounds and then lost weight you gain back inches of dick. Oh, no, I actually have heard about this. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I gained back a full half inch of dick. Holy shit. You got that <laughs> mad dick gains, bro. Yes. I, I was like, the other day, okay, this is super personal. It's coming on at the end. If you've stayed around this long, We're whatever. tight anyway. We're yeah, tight. We're tight. So this is super personal, but um, like without an erection, 
I couldn't see my dick when yeah. I was fat. Right. Um, and then one day I like it was maybe a month ago, I looked down, I had an erection, and I was like, I can see the whole thing. Uh oh, a little peekaboo going <laughs> and on then there. I was huh? like, I'm gonna measure it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it was like little kid happy on Christmas morning. Got my dick gangs. I like to think the soundtrack was a whole new world. <laughs> it's great though. Keep them dick gangs going, bro. 